At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Welcome to Benzinga Live. I am here. AB is here. Uh, it is, it's a day. It's one of those days, right? Right. Market. Um, I don't want, I don't want to be too overdramatic. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with like a, just a good old fashioned down day, which is what, what this is. Um, but it, it is, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty one directional, right? There are some things that are up, but, um, not a lot, not a lot. So we will talk about all this and more. Uh, we're going to have uh, Matt Hammond on, talk IPOs with us in um, about a half hour or so. We'll have Jake Wajastic, I, I believe, we'll have Jake Wajastic on the show today. We'll have Chris Capri on the show today. Uh, so, yeah, you know what to do. Drop your questions for us in the chat. We're going to hang out here for the next two and a half hours, and uh, let's start the show. This is Ben Zingalai. Spencer Israel and producer AB. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Someone told me buy high, sell higher. Let's get Matt Hammond on the show. Talk some IPOs. Jake Wujasic from Trend Spider. We have a breaking news. All right, Elon says just don't go like OMG crash, OMG crash. Yeah, I mean, some 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 perspective I think is necessary here. The market is lower for the day, but that doesn't mean it's a crash. So let's just pump the brakes on that for a second. First, AB, how was your weekend, man? It was good. Yeah, um, yeah I went to the Lions game yesterday. I saw them get another win. You were at the Lions game? Yeah, against the Packers. Very nice, very nice. You saw one of the few wins. I know. I've seen uh, a few wins now. Was that the the Cardinals game or the Lions one? Uh, the, You've seen, uh, you saw two of the three wins this year? Yep. Wow. Well, actually, no, I'll... All three. I was at the Vikings game too. You saw every. Well, how many losses did you see? A lot. Oh, okay. Most of them. You saw most of them. I don't All right. Know. So besides the like, ones, so you're not the Lions. Good luck, Charm. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, but back to the markets real quick, Spencer. The, the thing that's really catching my eye right now is crypto. I mean, Ethereum and mm. Bitcoin have just been showing weakness for really the past what uh, month or two. We we did get a nice little pop in Bitcoin today, kind of intraday. Uh, do you mind pulling up a? a Bitcoin chart on Benzinga Pro? Yeah, let's do it. Come on, charts. Come on, charts. There we go. It's working. There it is. Okay. So, uh, what do you want? What do you want to look at? Uh, we daily? can start, start with the daily. Is this this is good. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, going back to November, you can see we've been in this downtrend for uh, I don't know a month, two months. So. It's, it, you know, we say this all the time, Spencer, the trend is your friend. Anytime there's an established trend, you can expect that trend to continue until you have that confirmed reversal and a new trend is established. So I'm not going out bottom fishing in Bitcoin or Ethereum any, anytime soon. I want to see, um, you know, that chart kind of 
come back around and on the upswing that's when i'll start buying it but can we go to a, a shorter time frame maybe like a, a 15 minute because i do believe we were inching closer to that forty thousand. Just, just zoom a um Okay. Unless you want me to zoom in more. Yeah. Can you zoom in on today's zoom in price on today? action? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we got down to about that forty. 000, we got below it. Below forty. Forty thousand. Um. And, and since then, we can see those buyers coming in and how Bitcoin has responded since then. So, um, looks like the next form of resistance will be right around forty three thousand. So, um. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was a short lived uh, uh, dip below forty k today, and I will add. Again, like on, on the spectrum of red candles, I could just zoom in. It's a little hard to see because of the volume bars there. But on the spectrum of red candles, um, today's red candle is, is like about as bullish as, as as a red candle can be. You know what I mean? Where where, where the the where the candles like way up near the top of the wick, right? Um, and, and you had this big big whoosh down, but then an immediate bounce. So so there's that. Um, but yeah, I mean, every time I feel like every time Bitcoin has like a, a, you know, I don't know if you want to call it like a, it's not, it's not a crash, right? But whenever well, I mean, Bitcoin, it's down about 20, 30% from its highs, you no, know, but I meant like this morning, whenever it had like, oh, okay. it has these like just huge flushes, they're always so short lived. They're always like, you always bounce right off it. I've, I've noticed yeah, that. I think, I think even more so with Bitcoin than uh, maybe stocks and stuff, you get these psychological levels. So people seeing it below 40,000 really encourages the buying. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough. I, honestly, I, I've been looking at uh, Coinbase's stock, uh, ticker C-O-I-N, coin. Yeah, let's pull it up. And um, here's my thought process, Spencer. There's a lot of interest in crypto over the past like month, two months has been in NFTs. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if the next time Coinbase reports earnings, I don't know if that's sometimes in February, that, um, you know, maybe just trading volume has been down on, on Coinbase considering the price action of Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and people um, maybe that are dabbling in, in crypto right now are doing so through NFTs and not mm. through um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, the other coins. Maybe. Wait, what? <laughs> Why did coin do we do we know why Coinbase got to three sixty a couple months ago? Does anyone know? Yeah, Bitcoin was at all time highs. Was that was that was just Bitcoin at all yeah, time highs? Bitcoin okay. was at all time highs. Wow. Holy moly. All right. Um Yeah, early early November Bitcoin was at about sixty eight thousand. Wait, so just you know what just wait, just because I need to see it for my own eyes. So let's just pull up Bitcoin here. Bitcoin uh Bitcoin USD. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd done that for a, for a minute there. I didn't realize it was that correlated. Wow. It really does just trade with Bitcoin. Yep. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? A, a, a crypto broker trades with crypto. Did you guys know? Yep. Today I learned. So, yeah. Anyway, like, for, forget the underlying fundamentals. Like, you can even just just throw the throw the, 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 the numbers, the, the balance sheet, the users. Throw that out the window. Just... What what's Bitcoin doing? That's what Coinbase is doing. It's pretty remarkable. You don't even have to save yourself some time. Don't even look at the balance sheet, cash flows. Forget all that stuff. Just look at look at crypto. It's pretty. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and Igor saying the mining stocks got hit harder than uh, Coinbase. It, it's it's true. If you look back, I mean, okay, um, you know, Riot is down fifty four percent from its highs in November. Uh, Mara similar. So. 
some of these mining stocks are a little bit more volatile and, and risky, I would say, than, you know, Coinbase. Because, I mean, look, Coinbase, if Bitcoin's dropping and people are trading their Bitcoin, Coinbase is still going to get volume. Right. The mining right. stocks are even more exposed just simply to the price of Bitcoin. So um, I, I don't know. I'm not in any of these mining stocks, and I don't really have a favorite right now. I I never really liked any of them, to be honest with you. That's like my... It's been, I've been pretty consistent on that front. Yeah, I mean, to me, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna invest in crypto, I'll just buy, um, you know, I'll buy Ethereum or I'll buy Bitcoin. Yeah, easy, Mike. I don't think digital currency is going anytime soon either. It's just we're in a we're in a bear market. We're in a yeah. bear market. Well, it's for, so it's so cyclical. So it's like, yeah, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. That's what happens. Um, yeah, and then if you remember a couple months ago, like before we were heading into Thanksgiving and Christmas, a lot of people were calling for big rallies when everyone. Yeah, um, that, that was like the original Bitcoin rally back in, what was that, 2017, 2016 into um, 2017 into 2018, if memory serves. I don't know. 16 to 17. Yeah, I think it was 16 to 17. All right. Maybe you're right. Um, that was the first rally kind of around like Thanksgiving time. So people were looking for that. And we never really got it. Um, Tiny Pie says he was asking um, his non-stock market friends over the weekend if they knew about the NFT hype or the metaverse. This is always always a great test, right? We all have people in our lives that are like not into this stuff, right? And when they get into it, that that's a signal, right? So Tiny Pie says, yeah, one in fifty. Wait, Tiny Pie, you have fifteen friends? Wow, good for you, man. Uh, one out of fifteen knew about NFTs, and none knew about the metaverse. All right, I yeah. don't. I don't think that's. Uh... Standard, you know, I, I, well, I, at least if I ask 15 of my friends, I think you also have 15 friends, not really. Okay, acquaintances. I don't have 15 friends, I got like seven. I don't know, I'm counting all you guys as my friends. I got like two, yeah, but yeah, I mean, if I ask people, if, if, I, I feel like more people I know know about the meta, know about metaverse than not, but who knows, maybe. Uh, so here's what I want to do, and yeah, exactly easy. Thank you. Easy Mark says, you have us. That's right. I count you guys as my friends. Uh, so wait, what I wanted to do, though, was I wanted to go back to this. I wanted to get off the charts, and I wanted to go over and look at the overall market here. And look at this. This is the FANG stocks. It's every major index, and it's, it's the, uh, the, the 11 uh, stock market sectors. And um, where is the strength today? Well, it's in the XLV. It's in the XLU. And it's in the XLP, right? So it's in staples, utilities, and healthcare. But this is a little bit of a misnomer because the XLV, um, I, there was this JP Morgan conference today. So there's a lot of news coming out of the out of out, on, on the healthcare front. So just out, just just for fun, if we can, let's pull up. Um, like like is, is Moderna still going? Moderna was going earlier. There was a bunch of headlines on Moderna. Come on, where's my interday chart? Yeah, so Moderna, okay, it did it did uh, stop going up for the moment, but then you had like Biogen, right, which was presenting a couple hours, so many presentations today in healthcare. So Biogen, yeah. So the XLV thing, um, the oper the relative outperformance of the XLV compared to the rest of the market is more news driven, which I think is not as not a good thing, right? If you want to see like. Um, like if you're looking for pockets of strength, you don't want to be relying on like an individual headline, which is basically what the XLV is today. It's a series of individual headlines on its on its major its, its major components. You want to be relying on like like sentiment, 
I feel like is, is, a, is a better indicator, right? Where do people reflexively go with their money? And so you can see today that utilities, right, the, the, the safety trade um, down, right, down 1% today, but outperforming um, most other areas of the market. Actually, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, the XLV being, being down, you know, uh, 48 cents today, uh, th- a third of a percent is, is, is not to me an indicator that that's a place where, where you want to hide. Cause it's It's all, it's all headline driven stuff. And if we look at the XLV, if we zoom out on that thing, we can just see it's been, it's, it's, it's been a tough go of it. Um, where's that daily? It's been a tough go of it for the past couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, I'm not. Definitely not buying healthcare here in light of the fact that it's having a good day. Um, so that jumped out to me, and the banks jumped out to me, right? We've been talking about the banks for the past couple of days, uh, past couple of weeks. They've been strong. They've been really strong. So they're taking the breather here, right? We're going to get JP Morgan report earnings on Friday. I think BlackRock is also in one more. Maybe Bank of America is also on Friday. I don't, I don't remember anymore. But um, we're going to get some banks here reporting earnings this week. Uh, this, to me, today, this is the kind of dip you buy, right? We talk about buying stocks or sectors, whatever, ETFs, whatever, um, that are you, you, you buy dips in uptrends. This is an uptrend with a dip today, right? You're down 1%. This is the kind of thing I'd rather nibble in. I'd rather nibble in the XLF than in the XLV. Um, a lot of these stocks have been really strong, right? This is no secret. You guys know this. I know that we all know this, right? So anyway, th- th- those are my h- high-level thoughts here. Uh, I'd be much more willing to buy the banks today as I would basically anything else. Um, and maybe Staples too. How's the XLP doing? Because Staples have been strong. Yeah. Again, dip on a, on a ETF in a downtrend. I'm sorry, in an uptrend. I'd buy XLP. You, 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 oh, look at this. You're right at some daily support there. How many, how many lows? That's three lows in this area. That's not a bad area of support. 76? 76, not bad. I want to go back to uh, bad. I want to go back to Moderna whenever you, you yeah. have a second because I want to I want to look at some of the announcements that Moderna uh, I believe you said made a couple there were a couple headlines today yeah um, but but we've been talking about Moderna as a COVID play obviously since yeah. COVID nineteen but I like this company long term for some of the things they're doing outside of just the COVID mRNA vaccine I mean the the whole idea um, behind this company with the mRNA was that. For the COVID vaccine, this is great, the mRNA, but the, they have other use cases as well. I mean, they're developing something to cure AIDS and, and like all this stuff. So I think people are kind of overlooking um, how in the long term Moderna will really be able to do a, a lot of things outside um, of just the COVID-19 vaccine. Wait, so just to clarify, what actually here, let's go to the news tab here and let's take a look. The- yeah, that's what I was curious about because I didn't I haven't seen um um, well, this is this is what you just said. <laughs> oh, was it about AIDS? Well, well, no, but it's about more than just like the COVID vaccine, right? right. Well, right. I, I've been saying this about Moderna that I like it. I mean, it, it's so it's just been such a COVID play over the last eighteen months that. Um, uh, Patrick, sorry, I did have calls on Moderna. I don't have them anymore. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, like long term, I just think I think this company is going to be huge, but. Um, who does solar up? Don't forget who does mRNA's research DNA. Is that a company or a? 
Ginko. Oh, Ginko? Oh, How is Ginko doing? I haven't looked at Ginko in a long time. Let's, let's take a look at that chart. They've got one of the all-time best tickers. Yeah. Oh. DNA. G yeah. Jordan. Wardy. Anyway, yeah, Moderna Inc. to deal, or they announced a deal today um, uh, for to, to develop uh, I don't, something, and that's why the stock is trading higher. So, um, yeah. Wait, and and Shelly was was good to remind us that you and I had the uh, the Abvi bet, which I think expires tomorrow. I think that was the deadline on our Abvi bet. Oh man, it's not looking good for me. And we said, wait, what did we say? We said one forty to one. 30, I think. Uh, who wrote it down? Did I write it down? And if so, where did I write it down? Is it on my phone? I don't know. Um, we'll just call it a wash. <laughs> we'll call it a wash. Uh, I wrote it down somewhere. I don't remember where I wrote it down. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Avi, again, having a good day, along with a lot of health care. So, um, no, it wasn't Ab. It was Abbott. Oh, it was Abbott. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it was... similar tickers and similar price. Well, it it similar... used to be the same company. Cut, cut me some slack there. Um, no, but it, I think the numbers were... The, I think... Oh, no, we said 130 to 140. That's what we said. Above 140 was... Was you? Yeah, it went for me. I and was bullish. Below 130 was me. And then it's going to end up being a push. So whatever. But... Whatever. Well, we'll have to get another bet going this week if we can. Uh, and this time I will write it down right here on the homepage, but I don't I don't know what that'll be yet. So, um, yeah, we'll keep an eye out. And if you see anything that we could bet on, let us know. Um, Voodoo, that's a good point. Yeah. So, okay, so Carlos. I think Carlos, I think you asked about this earlier, right? I think that was you. That was. Oh, on... did you see Tilray today? Yeah, is Tilray still higher or did they give it back? Let's Let's see. Still doing well. All right, it's holding a lot of its gains. That's so interesting here. What was there news in the yeah, cannabis it was, space? It was, it was earnings. They had earnings. Oh, awesome! This morning. Um, wow. I really. This really does surprise me. Every pop is a pop to sell in Tilray. To, to some extent, it already has been sold, right? Because the high of the day was what seven eighty four. But still, I mean, we're still holding a good chunk. It's up fourteen percent today. This is very surprising. Holy cow, look at take two. Yeah. What, well, did you not see that news either? Getting clobbered. Was that, that was the Zynga deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they hate it. They hate it when you do like a stock deal. Like, because th this deal was a cash and stock deal. They, they, they don't love, typically speaking, companies will, will trade down when they do any M&A, but they'll trade down more if they'll do like M&A and they use their stock to like fund the deal. Um, or some sort of conversion. That's what Take Two is doing here, probably today because it's. Cash, I like Take Two. I might buy. I might buy the dip today. You like Take Two? Yeah. Um, I mean the whole space is just so. This is a heck of a dip. Let's go to a weekly. Oh man. Oh. What was the COVID low? The COVID low when Take Two was a hundred, even a hundred even. Okay. And it got all the way up to what, like three hundred? Nah, two. What's the high there? Two. Oh, just above two hundred. Two fourteen. Um, wow. Uh, do you want to buy the dip today, or do you want to wait like a day or so before it shakes out a little bit? You know what I mean? That's... I might wait a day or so. Yeah. But with that being said, I mean, down fifteen percent today. Like, do I think Take Two is going to trade higher than one hundred and forty-one dollars a share a year from now? I do. I mean, ah. Uh. 
Hurt Scrambler. I'm sorry, man. That sucks. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, it sucks. Take Two is just a monster, and I think out of all the video game stocks, they actually have some of the best uh, financials in terms of a balance sheet. Um, well, and revenue and everything going I, for it. I think the, the market agrees with you because if you look at Take Two and you compare it to EA and you compare it to ATVI, right? It it, it has held up. Well, let's just let's look at those two, or those three, right? Like Take Two has been your best performer, and it's been by a mile. This is just this is going back three years, but let's let's just zoom in more. Yeah, I'm doing just a quick little uh, check on Twitch. So right now. There's 115,000 people watching Fortnite, mm -hmm. uh, about 60,000 people watching Minecraft, 125,000 people watching Valorant, uh, about 75,000 people watching Apex Legends, and 189,000 people watching Grand Theft Auto And for 5. the noobs out there, which of those are Take-Two properties? Grand Theft Auto Five. That's Take-Two. Yeah. And Activision is Call of Duty. Correct. Okay. And Epic Games slash Tencent is Fortnite. Right. Uh, I don't know who does Minecraft actually. League of Legends. League of Legends actually has a, a little bit, uh, a few more viewers right now than uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. But I mean, just crazy. Just crazy. Isn't GTA Five like the top-selling GTA game of all time? Isn't that like? I mean, I'm sure it's. Got, dude, yeah. I mean, people. There's like 200,000 people watching it right now, and it's a 10-year-old game. Crazy. Anyway, take but yeah, their biggest Take Two's biggest games are is the Grand Theft Auto franchise, and then 2K. So like. Mm. NBA 2K. Um, this is probably a good deal for Take Two. It sucks that it's getting hammered on this deal. Zynga's like the mo the phone games company, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, mo it's mobile. And the whole everyone like the consensus is that mobile is the future, right? Because remember, Activision bought Glue last year. GLUU, that was the other big one. So um, if you look at this Take Two chart and you see, oh, all time high in Take Two February eighth. Why did that happen? Well, you know. We know a lot of tech stocks topped out February of last year, but also that was the day that the Glue Mobile deal was announced, where Activision was going to buy Glue, and everyone thought, "Oh, oh, Take Two must be next," and they were, or uh, Zynga must be next, and they were next. It just took eleven months, and in the in the meantime, you know, Zynga. I don't know. I, I'm I'm surprised that the streets saying they don't like this deal that much. I'm reading about it right now. I mean, um, if. The plan is for Take Two to take a game like Grand Theft Auto and bring it mobile, like uh, make a free-to-play uh, version of Grand Theft Auto on mobile. I think that'll be huge, and I think it'll make a lot of money. Yes, the, the, again, that's the that's the idea, right? Michael. Oh, Pat here's a okay. Here's a good tweet for it. Um, Jason Schreier. I don't know who this guy is. Okay. Uh, he said it's a no-brainer for Take-Two to get franchise franchises like GTA and Red Dead on mobile. A free-to-play iOS version of GTA Online will make kajillions, um, and Zynga's got the expertise to, to develop that. But Take-Two is years late and spent way too much, which may explain market negativity. It, I mean, look, it is, it's an almost $13 billion deal, right? The biggest deal ever in video game space so there's a lot of money no doubt um is it good long term for take two probably right it, the question is is how long term right like how long do you got to wait a lot well, of a lot I, of people I, own zynga and i see i see blake and shelly in the chat i don't think the idea is that take two is just gonna put a version of or put the, put the full game of grand theft auto and uh red dead on mobile they'll probably make like a very 
kind of dumbed down version of it to where it's just it's not going to be the full game. And I think it sounds cool okay. personally. Um, just it's all about timing, right? Right? Like, like you could. A- AB's theory is probably going to end up being right. It's just a question of like how long does it take, right? For and the- yeah, I mean that's the thing, Spencer. Is like if I wait and this, you know, I don't try to catch this falling knife, could it go down another five percent, and then I'll miss out on that five percent if I get in now? Sure, but I'm just thinking as a, as a long term, yeah, uh, investment that take two is is going to be higher than 140 dollars a share. You know, yeah. a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. Um, but, but again, it, it's again like people owned Zynga. Because they thought it was it was a takeover target, and they were right. They were right, but <laughs> not the people that got bought it at ten or eleven or twelve. I mean, what we should do, right? I mean, Shelly or someone else that's big in the gaming, we should get some numbers back from, uh, you know, when they put Fortnite and uh, PUBG and all that stuff on mobile gaming. Like, what what's the um, how many people are using it on mobile gaming? How much money is it driving? And then we can kind of use that as a metric for what to expect uh, with Take Two going forward with Zynga. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think Fortnite's a good example. I think Epic Games put out a very like good version of the game on mobile, and it was very popular. You know more about this than I. I I'm not up in, 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 in. I'm trying to get Aaron Thomas to either confirm or deny. Although. You want to come on and talk about it? What? No. What? Okay. I, I, how, how, is Fortnite still big on mobile? We're asking our resident gamer. He said not really. Here. Yeah. Um, I did. I played the Switch yesterday for probably an hour. That was the most I've gamed in a oh, long time. Oh, you got time. a Switch for uh, Hanukkah? I, I no, I've had a Switch. I oh. bought it during COVID, uh, the twenty twenty. But I was I played Mario Kart eight. On Zynga's my, the on my, uh, like Z- Zynga. Dude, they all make fun of me because of the way I say this. Okay, Wait, you said Mario. That's how I say it. Mario. <laughs> whatever. Super... Mario. Mario. Whatever. Every everybody makes fun of me. Yeah, I mean that's ridiculous. What, dude? Um, come on. But Zynga made Farmville. I think that was like Zynga's first big thing. Yeah. I remember playing Farmville back when Facebook was yeah. like it, when it was cool to be on Facebook. Wait, show you that some Animal Crossing. Uh, oh, as in like on. You, you you trying to race? Try all right. If we can race, <laughs> that's fine. Um, anyway, uh, wait. You can compete with someone in animal. Uh, animal well, crossing? well I, I I'm not sure if she's referring to the if she's referring to the game or if she's referring to the 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 Animal Crossing course on 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 Mario Kart. I don't know what she's referring to there. Um, I don't have the game, but the actual game itself. Hey, you, you said it right. I I know. I was saying it right. I was saying it. Um, um, I was making fun of everyone else because they all make fun of me. Anyway, uh, someone in the chat for a while ago asked about Bank America, so I'm going to pull that chart back up on the screen here. Um, yeah, so- I was just reading a report about how – I mean, what's interesting is if you if you talked about this, like stocks that are uh, either below or way higher than their pre-COVID levels. Bank of America – I mean, look at where Bank of America was pre-COVID. I want to say it was like $30 or $25. What was the COVID low? Um, wow. What was the low? What does that say? Eight. 17. It got below $18. Right. But but what was it at right before that crash? Thir- what's that, 34? 34. Wow. But I, I was just reading a report that Bank of America is still undervalued here. I mean, I'm not in this uh, I'm not in this trade. I do use Bank of America. 
That is my I, bank. I don't. I I'm actually going to be switching banks probably this year. I, I've I've had Capital One for a long time. It's just such a pain in the ass. But like, dude, I it's such a pain in the ass to switch banks. Who wants to go through that hassle? I opened like my first checking account at Bank of America, like when I turned sixteen and got my first job. And, and you haven't switched? No. Yeah, I. So it's like, why? Why would dude, I? Like, I, that I, seems like such a hassle. I, yeah. I opened a Capital One when I was eighteen. When when I when I went to college, I opened up a new bank account, and that was like the last time I did anything with the bank. Like it's just such a hassle. I'm a big Bank of America guy, I guess, kind of, because I have a self-directed account like through Merrill Edge, which is connected to my Bank of America app. I have a Bank of America credit card. Um, fourth wave? No, I'm not. I'm not ready to say Bitcoin to zero. Come uh, on, no one is saying. Wait, who said that? Fourth wave. In the no. Chat. Oh. Oh, I th- I don't know if he means like anyone like in just in uh, out there. None of us said that. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I'm just fac- I was kind of facetiously. Oh, yeah. I'm not ready to say that. I think uh, I I said it earlier. I'll say it again. You know the the trend's a trend until it's not. And right now we're certainly in a downtrend uh, in crypto. And so uh, until I'm I'm told otherwise, <laughs> then <laughs> I, I I expect downtrend to continue. Anyway, Bank of America, they report earnings next week. They report earnings uh, Wednesday the 19th before the bell. Um, We do very often see company stocks run up into their earnings report, the the five, four, three, two days before its report. Um, Maybe that happens again. But, uh, I mean, the chart looks pretty darn good. You know what I mean? Like I said earlier, I would be much more willing to buy the banks on this dip today than I would be to buy just about anything else. Yeah. Um, Elon saying 20s and sorry, not to keep talking, yeah. switching back and forth between uh, Bank of America and Bitcoin. But what is Elon? Um, I don't know. He said 20,000. If you guys remember, so Dude, Bitcoin at 20, I would buy the crap out of that. Oh, I would too. Wouldn't but you? I, if you guys remember uh, earlier, so I'm looking at the Bitcoin chart right now. Earlier in April and May, when we first got to about 60,000 in Bitcoin, and then we started coming down from there. Uh, if you recall, Spencer, we had like technical, technical people and traders and stuff, uh, basically saying, "Oh, for certain, Bitcoin is going back down to ten thousand dollars. There's no uh, resistance to catch it now. It's it's fallen through its last resistance level. It's going back to ten thousand, um, and then just like on a dime, it reversed and flipped and really ended up surpassing new all time highs. So, I don't know. I'm not ready to." you know say oh bitcoin's gonna come down here i will say looking at the chart it looks like uh you know if we look left it does look like we can drop a few more thousand but i would buy at twenty thousand all day long and that's always been like one of the bull cases is like every time bitcoin crashes like people like me and aaron will be like oh i'd buy it and then like we like go in and buy the dip right because in other words there's just like so much underneath demand right for for bitcoin people who are who are having fomo at 50 who who would buy it at 40 or 30 or 20 you know what i mean so like that's always been one of the arguments for bitcoin um as we sit now just below forty-two thousand. um but i don't know again i you guys know what i've been doing i I just buy i just dollar cost average in bitcoin every single month um bitcoin and ethereum and i actually stopped doing that really well, yeah. I I just like need more exposure. I've decided. So. I just like canceled my recurring investment. Oh, interesting. Um, you want to share why? You don't have to if you don't want to. 
I just wasn't feeling the love of like it's okay. not like a, I'll, I'll probably start it back up again. But like my average cost for Ethereum was at like four thousand dollars, and so I was down like. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's the thing. I think the key is to space them out, though. Really. Yeah. Because then you end up with these like cost bases that are way up there. I think the trick is to really space them out. I'm doing once a month. I, that might even be that might that might, that might be too too close together, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna officially on Bitcoin call my my. If this bear trend continues, which again, Bitcoin, Ethereum, they're so volatile that this could change any. I mean, we could say Bitcoin could be up five, ten percent from now until tomorrow, for all we know. But um, if this bear trend continues, I'm gonna put my uh, kind of price target at thirty-five thousand. I, I I would buy at thirty-five thousand. Okay, okay. I I I would buy at every five thousand dollar point on the way down, on the way there. So. Um, I think we're on the same side there. Uh, it is 12.04. We're going to have Matt Hammond on in a couple of minutes to talk IPOs for the weekend. But just before we do, though, I, I wanted to bring up this Twitter thread. And I've talked about this Twitter thread already uh, several times today. But it it, it, I, it went like mini viral over the weekend um, just on like FinTwit. And like I saw a lot of like my people that I follow tweeting about this thread and, 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 and what a good thread it was. So I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Um as soon as I can freaking find it, because this, this guy this guy tweets so much. Here we go. Okay. Uh, his name is Jim Bianco. If you don't follow him, I, I, I recommend you do. He's a pretty good follow. Uh, he's always tweeting about, about the markets. He does some pretty high-level uh, research. Um, so here's his thread about the bond market last week. It, in, in summary, last week was a freaking cra- crazy week, historic week for the bond market. Now, he doesn't look at yields. And he doesn't look at prices. He's looking here at total return, which is a little bit, a little bit of a different metric, but same idea, right? And basically, the total return of the thirty-year, uh, um, th- thirty-year Treasury bond last week was its uh, worst week since nineteen, at least nineteen seventy-three, at least forty-nine years, which is as far back as his data went. Okay, he looked at the ten-year note total return. Last year was the uh, last week was the worst week in 42 years for the 10 year. It was just a really really bad week to be owning bonds, right? And I'm not going to lie to you guys, this made me kind of bearish because the bond market the, the they always say that's where the smart money is, right? The dumb money is in stocks, smart money is in bonds. Um the bond market tends to move, uh, react to things before the stock market does. It reacts to macro things. It reacts to, uh, it reacted to the financial crisis right before the stock market did. It reacted, to, it reacted to the housing market blow up before the, the stock market did. It reacted to the um, dot com bust and really just the recession that came from that um, before it bottomed before the stock market did. Right? It, 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 it's a, it's more of a leading indicator than the stock market is, and this this may be pretty. Pretty bearish. See, and, and this, this is a good tweet right here, okay? Um, he is noting here when the, uh, when whatever crisis peaked versus when the uh, bond market um, peaked, uh, bottomed, right, in that peak. Spencer, and, can you share a link to this thread in the chat? Yes, I can. I, I got I to, gotta, I think, after the show read this because I'm, I'm more of a... Like I got, I got to read something to learn it. Yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. Um, anyway, this made me bearish because it's like, shoot, if the smart money just had its worst week in forty years, 
Then what's the dumb money doing? Anyway, I put the link in the chat. Check it out. This was a pretty good thread, I thought. Again, I saw a lot of people. Being bearish is not fun, though. I, well, I, I don't know. If, if, you're, if you buy, like, puts on a stock and the put starts crashing, it, you, you, it's a very good feeling. It's good to, I, I, it's good to make money on, on, on the other side. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm perpetually long-term bullish. I, that's, like, my, my well, long- Well, I think it's hard not to be. I mean, you look, a, at, you look at the all-time chart uh, right, of the S&P right. 500 right. or whatever indice you want to look at, right. and it's, it's hard, to, hard to argue with that. Right. But then my question is always, like, what are, what, basically, it's, like, what are the next three to five years? I have two to five years. What's going to happen in the next two to five years? Anything beyond that, I, I can't think that far ahead. But like two to five years is enough time for you to um, be saving for a specific thing, saving up for a down payment on a, a car or a house. or Wait, or, Proton, you just found that out. I'm jealous that you're... Like, Dude, don't be mean to Proton. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying I'm jealous. Like I'm, I feel like I'm so connected, like to my phone and stuff, that I see that stuff, like Twitter notifications, that it happens in real time, and I'm genuinely jealous that, like, I wish that wasn't the case. I, I have an indicator for when news makes the mainstream, and it's when my fiance tells me about it. She actually told me about Bob Saget last night before you had before heard. I knew about it. That's how I knew it was mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. When, I couldn't believe it. Oh, apparently, he passed away at the Ritz in Orlando, which I was—that's the where I was like two months ago. We were in Orlando. What room were you in? Was it the same room? I don't know. I hope not, dude. That'd be that'd be crazy. That'd be creepy. Anyway, maybe it was in the Lazy River. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh man, rest in peace, Bob Saget. The guy made all of our lives better. Um, let's bring on Matt Hammond here. We're, that, that's called a segue, folks, uh, and it was a damn good one. Um, and, oh, actually, wait, before we get to Matt, uh, yeah, Elon, Intel. Great question, Elon. Why is Intel up today? Intel is up, and then the I want to look at the other big value, uh, value tech one, which is Cisco. Discovery is also up a bunch. Cisco is down. I have not looked at Intel, uh, Elon, I, so I don't, I don't know specifically why it would be higher here. Disk um, B up 15%. Um, no, not seeing anything on, on Intel. Anyway. Good day for Intel. Let's talk IPOs, though. Let's talk IPOs. Let's bring on our man, Matt Hammond, Woo! from IPO Warriors. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know. I can't even remember what IPOs we had last week. Hopefully, we, we had some good ones, and hopefully, Matt Matt played them. So let's bring him on the show right now. Matt, what is up, man? How are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We got some new equipment. Is that right? We do. We got the uh, the gear finally arrived. You guys helped me out with some stuff. We got this uh, handy microphone here. It's uh, yes! sound quality's up. Uh, we got the uh, monitors here that are uh, nice and um, blocking out my daughter screaming in the other room. And uh, Spencer, I'm those are actually the same right headphones now, you're wearing. Matt, we have uh, the yeah, same we got headphones. Matching, matching. Yeah, it's very stylish there here. There we go. Uh, there we go. Got a anyway. new lens. That was. And yeah, we got new gear. We got new setups. I got some accent lights I didn't put in uh, yet, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, looking better Excellent. on screen. I think that's really why people come here to see me, right? Um, no, so, they don't. So they come here medium. to get the information. Yeah, no. Let's skip to uh, actually the screen share while we're while all we're right. At let's that. do it. So, did we have anything last week, or I don't even remember? We did. We'll get that to one second. Um, kind of had uh, a little bit of a my own little segues and. It, 
built into the show. But uh, yeah, anybody can tell you right now, the market is not pretty. Um, The uh, swings that I kind of tried to buy the dip on last week, uh, as I always do, because I'm not a great day trader, uh, bought too early. They're still close enough uh, with the last maybe hour back to within striking range. But realizing that IPO trades are where I do pretty well. Even last week, we did have some but I did want to share you this uh, this quote with you from Bill Smith, who runs Renaissance Capital. And he said, this is something that I articulated in the kind of the 2022 preview show. Uh, I think he said it a little better than I did. And he said, January is a slow month for IPOs, so it's hard to get a read on 2022 yet. But after these returns, we typically see a drop in IPO activity. Investors will once again focus on cash flows and only great companies at great prices will make it through. It won't be obvious at the time, but during these periods, investors find their best performers. And kind of what I mean, the way I said it was, well, when the market's really hot, uh, IPOs debut at a high premium. So they're not necessarily something you want to hold on to. And we saw that with a lot of IPOs that debuted last year and gave nice runs off the IPO debut. You didn't want to hold those because when the market pulled back, they were so overvalued that they really lost, I mean, half their value or more. But right now, we're seeing an opportunity where the market's way down. Uh, low quality IPOs are probably going to get pulled. Anything that does go through that's an attractive name with good financials, you're probably going to get it at a really good price. So if you like any of these companies for longer term holds, now might be a really good time to play uh, or to buy in. Typically, buying the IPO debut is not the best time to buy in for a long term hold. But when we see the market really weak, we want to look out for those opportunities, and there are there is at least one this week that I'll be highlighting in a second here. But before we get to that, let's take a look at um, last week's winners. We had one really monster runner with Our Loop, and that was ticker H O U R, and then just to really hammer the idea back in as to why I don't play biotechs, we kind of skip over them for the most part, other than mentioning them is that uh, biotechs are generally biotech busts. Um, Low float, hour loop, ultra low float, 1.5 million shares. It's really not a lot of other stuff going on last Friday. The market was sort of tanking. Uh, This debuted at a reasonable premium. So this wasn't like one of the, you know, some of the low float IPOs. I got killed last, you know, December on Sidhu because the debut was so high. And I said, no, I want to play it anyway, which was not smart. This one debuted at 450 after IPOing at $4, which kind of shows that there's demand, but there's also, you know, a lot of allocations got given to retail traders on Webull. I got 25 shares on my Webull allocation request, which is really high. Um, so you had to f- figure that people would be dumping for, you know, initially, but then it might rally. And that's what happened. We had kind of one halt up. And it happened so fast that I think most people who got allocations didn't have time to sell it. Then the second halt kind of went down up, um, which is a little bit odd. Uh, And then you see the run, the low float kicked in and it went from basically broke five and ran all the way up into a flag here at about hit a third halt right here, uh, flagged a little bit. And then this kind of dip and go run and I was really easing myself back into things. I said, okay, if I get a dollar, I'm going to just kind of like get in, get out. I didn't play a big position. Just wanted to kind of get back into the swing of things. Um, But maybe a more confident play would have been to let it hit that first level. You might've gotten stopped out 
Uh, if you put a stop loss here, that's still, I mean, a solid win. You would have made 50% right there. But if you let it run a little bit more, sold half your position here, I would probably be looking to exit at about 100% gain. So if it debuts at 450 and it starts getting towards nine, you have to look at this as a nice time to, um, you're kind of just getting greedy at this point. Um, trying to play this move somewhere in here to a run. Again, to me, that's really risky. There are people who do play that. I'm not a day trader. I don't read charts very well. So I like 50% there, 50% up here. Take your huge win. Uh, that took you about an hour of trading. You know, go enjoy the, you know, take an early weekend. But this is the kind of setup that you got to kind of like. They had a super low float. Their financials were pretty good. The market wasn't all that strong. Not a lot of other targets for day traders. And once they picked up on this after the first halt, um, after the first couple halts show up on those halt radars, um, this one ran. And this is the kind of play where uh, I, I really like being in this kind of play. Uh, biotech yeah. just quickly uh, debut, bang, you know, barf fell off a cliff. Uh, this one happened to bounce, um, but so hard to know which ones are. I mean, you look at these, just look at the opening kind of 10 minutes on each one of these. They all look the same, just open and drop, open and drop. And how do you know which one is going to uh, rebound? Okay, because this one priced below the IPO or debuted below the IPO price and fell. Okay, well, that's maybe a good indication that it'll bounce, but is it really worth taking that risk for, you know, a 10%, 20% run compared to something like this, where, I mean, this never went below the debut price. This was the safest trade, you know, IPO trade. This is the IPO trade you look for. So IPOs, just don't touch them. They're not worth it, in my opinion. And that is why we will mention Hillstream Biopharma. Pinnacle Biotech focus on Iron Media, Cell Delft, blah, 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 blah. Three million shares. Even with the low float, they're not submitting their initial new drug uh, or new discovery uh, application to the FDA until later in 2022. And I just see no reason to get into this off the debut. If you really like this company or there's something you like about it, let it open, let it drop, You know, build a position going into this Um FDA announcement. And then once the quiet period, you know, expires, then maybe it goes, maybe they release some news and it pops. We've seen that with uh, a lot of the recent low float biotechs is that if you let it kind of open and drop a little bit, 30 days later, the quiet period will expire and they'll try to like boost it a bit because they probably need to raise more money. We saw this was MYNZ last week. It ran from $10 to $20 after, you know, kind of uh, settling in, we've seen this with uh, BFR, what was it, BFRI, um, IINN. Um, you know, you don't need to buy these off the debut, but they are very interesting plays. And, and I'm going to go back to this one real quick because I like this one um, going into, say, June, where they get um, they get the FDA decision on whether to let them start marketing their drugs, which have already had very strong results. They're already in phase three. People are kind of already applauding the success of their, you know, their candidates, but um, no reason to buy it right here. Let it trail out a little bit and then look at around May, see where the price is. You know that there's catalysts coming in June. If you want to take a risk on it, then take it then. But biotechs are to me, um, you know, QP quiet period sleepers, QP sleepers, 
uh, biotech busts off the, the debut. So now let's take a look at one that is interesting. This is FGI Industries. They do uh, bath and kitchen products from China and sell them globally. You say, well, that's not all that sexy. Show me the financials. I'm not going to show you the financials. I'm just going to tell you that the float is 2.5 million shares. The underwriter is, benchmark, is the benchmark company. And they recently did AERC, which ran from the price to $10, debuted at $40, and then ran to $100. Um, it was clearly some kind of you know manipulated float. Uh, BFRI dropped for about two weeks off the debut mm-hmm. and then spiked pretty hard. So if you're going to play this, you're not Dude, playing these, this. These China company. ones are even more wild than, than the biotechs. Exactly. But we do, whereas biotechs almost, I would say maybe five to 10% of them give you some kind of upside opportunity and 90% of them just fall off a cliff. Uh, these low float China debuts have run more often than they've fallen. And uh, if okay. you see, yeah, th- this one's interesting. If, if you're looking for the next, um, the next HOUR, you know, watch this one. It's in the same. There's three IPOs this day, so I'm going to live stream them. Uh, now that I have the equipment, I'm going to be on the YouTube. I got a YouTube channel set up. I'll send out the link in the newsletter. Um, sign up for the newsletter at ipowarriors.com. I've got uh, more in-depth write-ups on all the IPOs we're covering here. And uh, the newsletter goes out usually twice a week, once to recap what happened last week, once to preview what's coming up this week. And if things get added during the week, I'll add, um, you know, I'll add notes to that. But um, yeah, I'm going to live stream these. I'm going to kind of show you where I'm placing my trades, what I'm looking at, how to read the indicator, how to get in on the debut, whether, you know, I think it's a good idea to pull the trade or stay in it. Uh, we'll talk about entries and exits. So it um, should be fun. These are pretty exciting. They're almost like a sports event to, uh, to watch these and play these. So the next two I want to look at are really the first two sort of mainstream IPOs of the year, uh, meaning they have Please, traditional thank underwriters. You. Finally, some mainstream stuff. Yeah, this is the stuff that you might actually want to consider adding to your portfolio at some point or not. Um, and like I said, in this climate, you are probably going to get pretty reasonable pricing. These aren't going to debut at ridiculous prices like we saw in 2020 or 2020, early 2021. Um JustWorks, this is an HR software company. They handle payroll and uh, benefits uh, for small to medium-sized businesses. They have demonstrated pretty solid growth. Their revenue is up 40% in the three months, ending August 31st, 2021. Gross profits up 40% at the same time. I don't love that their gross margins are only 10%. That seems kind of low to me for a software as a service. Um, but they are cash flow positive. Um but operating in negative net income are negative. They're moving in the right directions, which is a good thing. And the float is pretty low. It's just 7 million shares, but I'm not particularly excited about this. And I see this as sort of a barometer for, it actually wouldn't surprise me all that much if they pulled this in the middle of the week, if the market doesn't kind of make a little bit of a recovery. I just don't see this as a name that people are gonna get super excited about right now. I think that right now people are waiting for something really sexy like Stripe um, or Reddit, which I'll mention just briefly in a little bit. Um, but this one to me is I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be interested in seeing what it does. But I don't think that it'll, it'll, it'll either get not too much movement or either way. I don't see it flying one way or another. I just it's not what I'm really looking for to trade right now. TPG Partners. This is 
really like a, a mainstream. This is an alternative asset management uh, company. It's private equity for, is a big, big one. This is a big one. It's a top five global private equity firm uh, based on how much capital they raised uh, from 2015 to 2020. They have $109 billion under management. The revenue is up 590% in the nine months ending September 30th, 2021, with profits up 84% at the same time. They have positive baseline financials across the board, and you might get this at a really good value uh, given the market conditions right now. So this is one of the rare opportunities to perhaps buy an IPO debut at a price that isn't ridiculously inflated. You'd have to think that money managers and money people understand the value of this. The comps are, you know, Blackstone, um, you know, and other big private equity firms. So I like this one. I haven't quite made a decision on it. I'm sort of stuck in some swings positions right now that I hope we get a little bit of a bounce this week so I can either free up some cash or, um, but I don't know if I like them better or worse than this. But this is definitely one that I think the whole market is going to be watching. And if this one for some reason gets pulled or doesn't perform well, we might not see a whole lot of IPOs until the market warms up a bit. So this is sort of a barometer in this week. These two will both dictate the tone of the IPO uh, trade right now for probably the next slate. And the last one that I want to touch on is just because I think that this is already starting to get a lot of buzz is that Reddit has now selected their underwriters. They're going to go with Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, which are two of the big boys. Um, They're looking at a March uh, IPO date. So, you know, given the, you know, the position that Reddit has in the sort of uh, momentum pop stock, uh, you know, meme, meme space, you could, I can see this IPO just doing something, you know, sort of ridiculous. So I'm going to keep an eye on this one for sure. And that's what we have for this week. If more come up, I will send up. Yeah. Reddit is like classic, like this could be a meme stock, but we, we don't know anything. Um, but well, remember what Robin hood did on the IPO. I, I know, I know. And that, and that's what, that's what people are going to point to and say, Robin hood, if you went meme crazy for like a couple, for was it like one day? Right. It had um, one day where it was a little bit cool, I think. And then another day where it sort of turned around and then it just ripped. And I don't know yeah. if that was overnight, uh, media cycle or Kathy, you know, jumping in before now, anything she touches, people are kind of like, I don't know if I want to go there. Um, but Reddit, I believe has the, I mean, the truth is any stock could run if enough people decide, Hey, are we all going to buy this? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. Let's jump in and buy it. And why not Reddit? I mean, Reddit is the engine that drove (laughs) how many of these, uh, you know, these pop stocks or momentum plays, whatever you want to meme stocks. It is kind of, it's like the mother of meme stocks. Why wouldn't it, you know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't Reddit yeah, yeah, traders? There's, there's definitely in. like a, a story to be told there. There's the, that's a story that you can definitely, that's a narrative that you, that, that you can spin, right? This is potential meme stock. One thing I wanted to point out though, just uh, on the um, uh, uh, TPG thing, right? So, you know, private equity firm, private equity ha- has been a laggard. Like there, there are only like a handful of uh, big time private equity companies, uh, companies that that are similar to size to tpg that are public 
And uh, there's Carlisle, there's Blackstone, there's Apollo Group. I brought them all up here uh, on my on the chart, and the, you could just see just the last couple of years, just going back the last few years, they have not been great performers. Now, in 2021, they had fantastic year, right? But by and large, these these are not the kind of stocks that really move a lot. These companies like print money hand over fist, but they're just not the kind of stocks that move a lot, um, with the exception of last year. So I just wanted to throw out these would be the biggest peers, the most close peers to a to a TPG, um, uh, BXCG. Forget Blackstone real quick. Yeah, Blackstone is Blackstone is is the white blue one. I see. Yeah, and there's also, I mean, part of what I've read here is that uh, they are likely pushing their IPO through now because you know they're at the valuations of these companies are way up uh, compared to historical yeah. uh, positions. I generally haven't really touched financial IPOs all that much anyway because they, yeah. I mean, let me say what I don't like about this one is that it's a 33 million share float, almost 34 million shares. And I don't know if a lot of people want to pile into new share issues right now. Uh, this might be a week more to look at the super low float uh, FGI one as a sort of kind of, th- these are the ones that have run. If it doesn't have a ridiculously high debut premium, it might be a fun scalp. Um, the other two, I probably will end up just watching them. I don't like them enough to, you know, to say, oh yeah, this is a sure thing lock. And really, we probably need the market to settle down a little bit and get something really blockbuster like uh, with brand name recognition in it before we're going to get those opportunities that we saw last year. But I like to watch these things because the trends do ebb and flow. And in these lower, you know, the colder markets, if something strong comes along, it might give you that opportunity and that has that sort of setup to it the uh the tpg so wait i, yeah, I have two, two questions for yeah. you two questions for you matt sure. oh, one on, on, the, on the reddit we didn't have a date yet right no they're saying it's okay. kind of earliest is march uh okay. and i think you know that's probably they gen- generally turn 10 once they've started once they've picked their underwriters they start the schedule but we're probably looking at march april yeah and then the other thing that matt mentioned i think is super valuable is like Companies are well within their rights to pull an IPO, right? And mm-hmm. you'll see companies pull an IPO if the market is unfavorable. We saw this a lot. Twenty twenty, you know, once COVID, you know, became a thing, everybody pulled their IPOs, right? No, no, nobody wants the IPO in a market that's in free fall, right? And so, what 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 happens then is the companies that do IPO, like let's say the market is like not in free fall mode, but it's just going down. Let's just say it's broadly weak, like it has been. Um, companies that do IPO, they must really, really want it, right? And why would they really, really want it? if not for liquidity, right? You got to ask well, yourself that, but yeah, there, there are two, I mean, there's two sides to it though. Um, one is yes. Are they desperate for cash? Is that why they need to do it? Because there's plenty um, of I, private equity available for, you know, for so- strong startups and they tend to be yeah. raising money kind of later into the process and coming to market after they've already uh, become a little bit more stable and their valuations are already very high. Um, but the other side of it is that 
when they do get pulled, it's usually not because they, you know, did some kind of uh, focus group testing on retail traders. It's because they went through the roadshow with, uh, in, you know, the investment bankers and the hedge funds, the big money people, and just didn't get interest at the level that gave them the amount of money that they're wanting to raise. So if they are able to go IPO right now, it's usually because they are so solid that they were, or, or, or the other side would be, the other argument would be, they are solid enough to get the amount of funding that they want from institutional money. And that is what's pushing them, you know, to go, uh, to go public. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I know road it, shows. It, it, Crazy, yeah. The road right? shows. And a lot of times you say like, Oh yeah, they can pull even the day before, uh, the day before yeah. they either price it or they pull it. And, um, you know, so I get excited about these and then, you know, find out that they didn't even price it. And I'm kind of like, oh, I was I was looking forward to that one. But none of these are really like uh, high, conv super high conviction plays. I'd say FGI is like, OK, I'll play it for a little token token flip. I don't want to get burned hard, but, uh, you know, it's probably going to price at, I don't know, eight or nine dollars. And, you know, we'll see where it debuts. If it debuts at some ridiculous premium and, you know, I might just say I can't touch that. But what we saw and some of the others and what we saw last week with our shows me that low float is still a target. If there aren't other stocks moving, day traders are hungry for something to trade. Eh, can be interesting and, and fun. So anyway, I'm going to live trade, uh, live stream the debuts here just to kind of show people how to get into these trades if they want to. And uh, it's a fun event. Come join me and um, check it out. I've got. I'm send the newsletter out. IPOWarriors.com, Matt Hammond. Joins us every Monday. Matt, always a pleasure, man. Have a good one. Cool. Thanks, Spencer. Have a good week. All right. Cheers. Uh, all right. Uh, to whoever in the chat asked who Kathy is, Kathy refers to Kathy Wood. She was the superstar uh, investor uh, of 2020. She called Tesla to $5,000 like five years ago, and she she was right. Um and she's been super bullish, and she made a lot of money in 2020, and then she got absolutely wrecked last year um, in in her funds. Speaking of, I uh, really I try not to look at it, but I do own one of her funds. I own the ARKW fund, and I know it's going down. Oh gosh, I'm four. This is why I don't look at it intraday. This is exactly why, because it's down four percent today. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. You have to know why you own things. That's the bottom line. Why do you own something? Do you own it for a trade, a quick trade, make some quick money? Do you own it for a long-term investment? Do you own it because it, it gives you exposure to something you don't already have? You know what I mean? Like, do you own it because this is your only technology exposure? This is your only growth exposure? Those are good reasons to own ARC. You got to know why you own stuff, though. Like, Kathy Wood never told anyone to put all their money in with her, right? And I'm sure most people who are invested with ARK don't have all their money. But, it, but if you did, if you do, then you're having a really bad time right now, right? Um, and so I am not selling my ARKW. Uh, I know why I own it. I own it for, I know, I own it for the long-term hyper growth. This is me trying to hit a home run okay uh in the last 
uh, 12 months and struck out, right? But 2020 was a, was a massive home run. Um, that's why I own it. I don't really have that much hyper, super high growth exposure. I've got this. I've got SoFi. Well, I own SoFi by itself, and I've got some cannabis, right? And all in all, that comes out to like, I'm not sure. That's pr- all. All those things probably are like. 15%, maybe less of my portfolio. That's a, that's a lot of, that's not a lot of the high growth, right? So that's why I own it. That's why I'm not selling, but man, does this look bad? I can, I'm not going to blame you. If you want to sell, you should, you, you, you should do it. If you can't take the heat, I mean, you should, you should think about getting out, but it, cause it, it, it's pretty ugly, right? Um, but if you're in it for the long term, then be in it for the long term. So you can't it, it, you can't say you're in it for the long term and then cry when this happens. This is what growth does. This is exactly what it does. You have to know what you're buying, right? For every 2020, there is 2021. The the leaders become laggards. The laggards become leaders, and vice versa. Just the way it goes. That's why investing is so hard. Yeah, I mean, and we're just seeing growth right now, just getting wrecked across the board. I mean, Nvidia is down to. Um, 250 around 259 uh so for context nvidia is down about i don't know 25 30 percent from its highs of around 330 dollars a share so um it's not just you know kathy it's all these yeah. growth names right. are just getting hit right now people pick on her because she was the best in 2020 and yeah i'm not saying that i'm never gonna sell anything yeah i sold my k-web because like the thesis changed right I was just talking about ARKW specifically. That's why I'm not selling, right? Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a, a, against selling. It's, you know, everything is a little bit different. But so Nvidia is down, and then AMD is down today, Aaron. A lot of the semis are all down. Yeah, I mean, any any really anything in growth is yeah, uh, any technology except for Intel. Look at Intel today. Can we pull that chart up? Let's let's look at this. This is ridiculous. Look at Intel. What a what? It's up one and a half percent today. It's it's the dog of the group, and it's it's beasting compared to everybody else. Today and today only so far, but wow. Um. Yeah, Happy's catching up on the Take Two Zinga deal. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot to go over there. What's up, Melanie Hodgson? How are we doing? Yeah, and then Harry's talking about Reddit. I, I know you were talking about Reddit with the. Uh... Yep. Matt Hammond. I don't know. So, I mean, here's the thing is Reddit's huge and a $15, $15 billion valuation. I mean, that sounds a lot. Uh, it sounds like a lot, but probably fair for Reddit. But I think the, the question with Reddit, like any other social media stock out there is, uh, you know, you can have crazy numbers in terms of, of users and how often people are, are using the site, but it's all about how you monetize. So I'd be curious to see kind of, uh, you know, like Reddit's revenue per user compared to other uh, social media sites. Um, Reddit is a technology stock. Do you want to buy a a technology stock now? I don't. I don't I, know, Spencer. I mean, I think the... I don't want to buy a growthy technology play. I, I think as quickly as growth is out of favor, it comes back, and, and growth stocks are the ones that, uh, you know, come back the fastest, too. So, I don't know. I mean, who, who's to say how long this kind of cycle of, of moving out of growth, out of tech will last? But um, my prediction is that, you know, when that comes, you know, whether we're 
read all week in growth and tech. You know, like when NVIDIA does come back in favor, NVIDIA will come back quickly to to where it was at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. The, the sentiment changes. Um, tech can't be out of favor forever. So it's you're right. It's January 10th right now. I'm not ready to, you know, make any any long form predictions yeah. about what growth and what tech's going to do. You know, long term, it could it could be tomorrow. We could have the queues up two and a half percent, and then if that happened, I I would go short the queues. If 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 tomorrow the queues are up two percent, I would short the queues. Really? Yeah. Well, with my stop being, I don't know, Friday's close or something like that. But like, yeah, if if that happened tomorrow, hey, uh, how is Lulu doing today? Intraday, I mean. Because Lulu gave guidance this morning. It was one of the many companies to give guidance this morning, and it wasn't good. Okay, this is a good sign, though, right? It's holding its low. If you wanted to buy Lulu, you could do it with a stop at, like, 328. That, 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 that's your low of the day. That's five bucks away. You could do that if you wanted to, like, try to, try to be a hero here. Um, wow. Look at look, look at this. Lulu was like the hottest stock of last year for a minute there. Just, just look at Lulu last summer. This thing was a beast. Dang. Easy mics watching the, the bond markets. I don't know. Watch TLT is going up, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, it is. Yeah, anytime you see the the twenty year bond tick up, usually that's usually that hits uh, growth names. Yeah, it's a pretty uh pretty straightforward day. Everything is everything is red, except for a handful, except for like Intel, except for Zynga, obviously Tilray, which is somehow DWAC. Is D? I have not looked at DWAC today. Should I? It's green. I mean, it's one, it? one of the few things I saw green. Yeah, but DWAC got punished so hard last week. So DWAC and Fun trade together. So how is DWAC doing? So DWAC, okay, DWAC is up 5%. Fun is up. Come on, Fun. No, Fun is down? Wait, is that right? Yeah, but they both have that same green candle. Anyway. Uh, no, I, I, I can't buy this. I won't buy this until I actually see on my phone because I think I, whatever, registered for that app back when this first like happened a few months ago. Until I see that app on my phone, I'm not, I'm not doing anything with this, but I couldn't buy this. Anyway, outside of DWAC, outside of Zynga and Intel and a lot of healthcare and Tilray, everything else is pretty much right, and that's the story of the day. Um, is it the story of the week, though? That remains to be seen. Uh, don't forget, everyone, we have uh, some pretty important economic data coming out. Not today, but but this week. Uh, CPI is Wednesday. And that's going to be, I think, maybe Jerome Powell will speaking tomorrow, but more than likely CPI Wednesday, I suspect, will be kind of a big headline over the week. Uh, we all want to know about inflation. Whether or not you believe the number is, is sort of a separate conversation because a lot of people think the number is, is uh, shall we say, massaged, right? Um, not a true indicator. Well, I have a problem with that because a lot of the people that, that say the CPI number isn't legit or whatever, they, w- when it is higher than expected, and yeah. it, then they like it. Then they like the CPI number. <laughs> I, why? Because it means they're right? 
Right, yeah. Right. Like people that are like saying like, oh, you know, whether it's like gold bugs or crypto people that are like, oh, inflation's like way crazier than uh, they want you to believe the dollar's going to zero. Yeah, the crypto they're like, people, oh, they're, they're the worst about that, the crypto people. They're always like, oh, the inflation is so terrible. You need to own Bitcoin. I yeah, which know. if you think about it, a lot of, I guess, like early crypto investors and people are like Silicon Valley. It's like, yeah, I mean, it'd, it'd be if, if you were living out in San Francisco, it'd be easy to believe inflation's terrible if you're paying, <laughs> you know, $30 to get a salad delivered to you through Postmates or you're paying, you know, $3,000 in rent for a shoebox apartment. But um, no, my point was just that, you know, I've heard that a lot that they're like, oh, the CPI number isn't uh, legit, whatever. And then all of a sudden, uh, when it's higher, they're like, oh, look, see, I told you the CPI is uh, five, you know, whatever it is. And, and, and they're like, you know, yeah. then, then they'll use it. Yeah. Um, I think inflation is so personal, right? It, it, we, our perception of inflation is whatever we see in our daily lives, whether it's your experience at the grocery store or whether you're buying a car. Or whatever you're seeing in your life is how you, however you experience inflation is what is what is what you're going to think about it. So if you're, if you're living in San Francisco or wherever, if you're paying, you know, ten bucks for a cup of coffee at Starbucks because that's what you do every day, and you know, I mean, yeah, you're you're going to think it's it's way worse than someone that that doesn't spend a lot of money, you know, out at restaurants or someone that is not buying a car, for example, right? So. Um, Proton, I mean, I'm not trying to be super negative. I'm just like that's the market's down today. But but that's again perspective, right? I agree with Proton. We need a joke of the day or something. Can you guys everyone in the chat post their best joke for a for a red day? And we'll get some good vibes going. Maybe that'll help the market turn around. Um Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not like super I'm I'm not I don't feel like I'm being super negative. Like I think perspective is key. Let's just bring up a let's just bring up the uh, what? Let's just bring up the cues because that's that that's where a lot of the pain is. Let's just bring up the Nasdaq 100, okay? Let's bring up a long-term chart of the Nasdaq 100 on the screen right now. Perspective is everything. Let's go to a weekly. Let's zoom. Wait, look at this thing. Yeah, all right. So we're off the all-time. The all-time high was in November. It was 408, right? And so we're we're. We're almost almost forty dollars off that, right? Did I do that math right? Um, we're almost forty dollars off that. All right. So what? Look how far we've come. Look at the COVID low. Look at that run since since, since March twenty twenty. Now, the bears here will say, "Oh no!" But the Fed's going to pull the punch ball now, and they're going to unwind the balance sheet and inflation, and we're going to go back down to two hundred. Uh, maybe. I don't know. If you are a young person, then you should be rooting for that, frankly. If, if you're in the accumulation phase of your life as an investor, you should root for a longer-term period of weakness. If you're older, you obviously don't want that. If you're going to be – if you're at or nearing retirement, you, you want prices to stay up because that's your savings. But if you are younger and you're accumulating assets, uh, the, the, the people that made out like bandits – from um, the the 2000s decade, that had had two two crashes, right? You had the the dot com bubble, and you had the 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 Great Recession, um, like seven years later. The people that made out the best were the ones that were just had 
this super long time horizon that we're investing the entire time all this way down here. And then when the decade flipped and we had this huge one up in the last 10 years, they had the most assets invested and assuming they were in some technology or whatever, assuming they had the spy, then they were the ones that did best last decade, right? The people that just grit their teeth and invested through the crap. It's really hard, though. I'm not saying it's easy. It's like really, really difficult. Um, obviously, if it were easy, we, it, it would be easy, but it's not. Um, so anyway, if you're young, lowering prices, not the worst situation. Um, if you're older, it's a different story. I, I actually, just a quick story. My, uh, my family is friends with a guy who retired. He was a, he was a, a, a teacher or a pub, worked in public education in New York City. He retired in January of 2020. Can you imagine retiring and then three months later, your savings have gone down by 25%? Because that's what happened to him. He retired January 2020, and in, in, th in three months, he lost 25% of his, of his life savings. Now, he made it all back, right? But, like, that's the kind of thing that, like, you lose sleep over that kind of a thing. Right. So, so, yeah, I remember... So. I remember when the COVID crash happened, I, I was actually uh, working at a golf course at the time, and a lot of the members of the golf course were kind of... They were sweating. They were sweating, yeah. I mean, they were retired and, and had, you know, X amount of money, whatever, in, in, in the market, in their investment, retirement accounts, and seeing it down, like, 20%, that's, that's tough. It's... it's I, I'm, I mean, he, yeah, if you made it through, congratulations, but it is scary. Okay, AB put the call out. He asked for some jokes. We got a few jokes in the chat, AB. Are you ready? Yeah. Are right, we got any good ones? What do you call a wolf that is self-conscious? A werewolf. Ooh, I like that. A werewolf, right? Aware. For many golfers, the best wood in their bag is a pencil. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. It's true. Um. Didn't I say I wouldn't serve you? The string say, "No, sir. I'm afraid not." Okay. I'm a pun guy. I like puns. What else we got here? <laughs> these these are pretty bad, but I I don't hate them. Um, that awkward moment where a brain eating zombies walk right past you. I hate that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, what do you do when you're driving? And there was a kangaroo on the side of you, a horse on the other side, an elephant behind you, and a zebra in front. I don't know, Blake. What's the punchline here? I hope it's safe for work. I don't know. I don't think Blake told us the answer yet. Um, and we'll do one more. Okay. Okay. Wait, Blake. Wait. What's the punchline there? Is there a punchline? Delivery is key. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, that's the truth. Blake, where's that punchline, man? Unless I missed it. How did the Polish guy break his leg raking leaves? He fell out of the tree. I don't understand it. That's that's a making fun of Polish people somehow. But I don't know. Yeah, there's a whole like side of jokes about making fun of Polish people, and I don't really understand. Oh no, every every ethnicity has the, has jokes 
like jokes about them, right? Like every religion, every nationality, every ethnicity, every race are always jokes specific to those people. Um, anyway, we're going to have, I think we're going to have Jake Wajastic on. I hope actually we're going to have Jake Wajastic on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, Blake, th- there's the answer. He says, get your, get, get your drunk ass off the carousel. Is the answer. Okay. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's not bad. Uh, did, did Jake confirm? Cause I know Jake is like in, I think he's in Houston. I think, or maybe he's not. I thought I saw a tweet that he was in Houston. Oh, but, he's not going to be joining us from his home in Colorado today. I, I, I don't actually know where he is. I, but regardless, um, did he confirm with us or do we, or, or do we know? Yeah. He did? Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. So we'll have Jake on talking charts in, in 10 or nine minutes from now. Um, so if you have a question about a ticker, just save it uh, for Jake. Uh, and um, he can talk about he can talk charts. All the guy is a chart machine. I've never seen someone rip through charts like Jake before. So um, in the meantime, let's just do a real fast crypto update for the day. All right, where's my heat map? There's my heat map. Okay, I'm not sure what this near is. Does anyone know what near is here? Hover over it. I I am. Near protocol? Does anyone know what that is? It, it's been green all day. Cosmos. I, I've at least I've at least heard of that one. I've never heard of this near protocol. Um it's up 45, 44% in the last 30 days. Maybe we can get the Mooner bus guys to talk about this at, at, at 2 o'clock. Um, I've never heard of this. Yeah, I'm pulling it up on uh, CoinMarketCap right now to hopefully. It's got a market cap of 9 bill. Um, yeah. Anyway, this is your heat nap for the day. It is red, obviously, just like the stock market. Um, I don't know. Not much to say about it, right? Yeah, the volume for Near is up about eighty three percent today. Really? Yeah, it's up eight percent, and I, I I don't even know what it, it what it is. Not that I, not that you telling me would make a difference because if whatever you told me, I wouldn't even understand it. So, anyway, we're up to almost fifteen dollars here in Near. So Near Protocol is a layer one blockchain that was designed as a community run cloud computing platform and that eliminates some of the limitations that have been bogging competing blockchains. Such as low transaction speeds, low throughput, and poor interoperability. Interoperability. Wow. Okay, I'm sure that makes sense to somebody, but not me. This provides the ideal environment for D apps and creates a developer and user friendly platform. For instance, <laughs> Near uses human readable account names, unlike the cryptographic wallet addresses common to Ethereum. Near also introduces unique solutions to scaling problems and has its own consensus mechanism called Doomslug. N- none of those words. Did anyone understand that? None of those words made sense to me. Everything he just said went over my head. It went in one ear, out the other. I have no idea what those words meant. I'm with you, Spencer. I have no clue. <laughs> I just read the, the description it gave me on CoinMarketCap. Um, if you under, if you understood that, please tell us in the chat what what, what, what he just said because I I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> you guys want some free Bitcoin? Go to Voyager. 
Check it out. Enter the offer code ZING. Create an account, make a trade, or fund your account with 100 bucks, make a trade, and they will give you free Bitcoin um, if you use that code ZING right there. Check it out. Voyager. Um, oh, hey, you know what I forgot to mention that I did this weekend? What would you do? I, I finally saw the new Matrix movie. Oh, how was the it? The Resurrections. How was it? I'm not sure. How about that? I don't, I don't really know how I I'm feel getting about one it. of these from AT. Is Keanu I, Reeves in it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. I, would, Keanu, I, I think there's going to be a new John Wick coming out at some point. I would love opinions in the chat because I really don't know how I feel about it. I'm not quite sure if I liked it or if I didn't. I might need to watch it again, honestly. It was a little confusing. I don't know. There were parts I definitely liked about it. But Aren't it was, all the Matrixes confusing? Yes. Dude, we, I hadn't seen the third one in a long time. And I watched it last like two weeks ago. And, uh, I, okay, in the chat we're seeing horrible. It was good. I heard it was bad. <laughs> uh, no, I did not see Don't Look Up yet. That's on my watch list. But um, um, a lot of people, there are some strong opinions here. I I didn't hate it, I don't think. Um, there were some things I liked about it for sure, but I, some parts I just did not understand. They, they always do that where they don't explain, they don't explain things to you. Um. So, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. It, there was, like, some techno jargon. I've seen a lot more negative sentiment in the chat regarding the new Matrix. Compared. There was some techno jargon that I, I didn't quite follow. Um, but I definitely am not in the camp that it was terrible. I just don't know. I just don't know if I loved it. I don't really know how I feel. It was kind of weird. Going back and forth. Anyway, my point is, if you're into this sort of thing, check it out. Um, and you, you let me know what, what you think. But, um yeah, Jason, jeez, put the spoiler tag on or something. Come on. Oh, man. It doesn't really bother. I've never seen any of the Matrix. Oh, then well, why do you care? I know. All right. I um, like the John Wick movies. Wait, they, there, was, they had, there was a great zinger, though. It was a great zinger. Um, there is a early on, um, and one of the characters says that they're talking about uh, a, a, a video game, and one of the characters says, our parent company, Warner Brothers, is ma- is making us do a remake, and they're going to do it with or without us, so we're going to do it. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, okay, little nail on head there, but um, I'm not sure if it was a money grab or what, but uh, there there have been worse remakes than that, or not remake. It was, uh, what, a re- not a reboot. It was, what, sequel? what, sequel? There have been worse sequels than that. Um. Though it definitely did. I watched it at home. I, I didn't go to the movies. It definitely made me, like, more bearish on movies, though. Because I, like, outside of, like, Spider-Man or Marvel, like, why would you go to the movies for anything? Yeah, I'm know. with you. I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't think I've been <laughs> to the movie theater since before COVID. So, like, how about this for a theory, okay? How about the biggest movies are going to, in terms of their box office returns, are going to get even bigger. But for everyone else, they're going to be non-existent. You're going to have to go streaming. Because if you're not Marvel, if you're not like some big blockbuster, like a tentpole movie, then you, you can't you can't open in theaters. There's like no one's going to go see you. Right? That, that That's one of my theory right now. It's like... like the vast majority of the box office will be like the same four movies every single year. That, that that's my new theory. You, you you can't like there are great movies out there that are opening and no one is watching. 
right? Like the last duel. I heard that was really good. Nobody saw that. The last what? The last duel. Matt no. Damon, Ben Affleck. Um, great cast. Nobody saw it. You you got to you got to go streaming is the answer. Um. Anyway, well, you're right. Spider Man was not on a streaming platform, which made it sort of you know necessitated going going to the movies. But um, yeah, I after this weekend, you know, after we're just watching that movie at home, I just there's no reason to own any movie theater stock. AMC, Cinemark, whatever. There's that one. There's that one in the UK. Yeah, I watched it on HBO Max, Jason. Um, Melody's asking us how Tesla's doing. Tesla's actually not having a bad day compared to the the overall markets. Tesla's currently down about a half a percent. But uh, if you compare that to the rest of the Qs or Spy, uh, holding up nicely. Yep. Tesla's Tesla's outperforming on a relative basis today. So good day for Tesla. Um, Anyway, okay, hey, let's bring on Jake Wajasic. I see him here backstage. He's lurking. The guy is the co-founder of TrendSpider. If you have not checked out TrendSpider, uh, you might want to do that. We have a uh, a promo code, and the promo code is BZ25. It'll get you 25% off your TrendSpider subscription. Check it out there. Jake, what's up, man? How are we doing? How's it going? Doing great. Uh, before uh, we get started, with the, before we go on to the charts thing, uh, have you seen the new Matrix yet? And if so, what did you think? No, I am like horrible with movies like okay probably won't even see a movie that comes out that everyone talks about till like three years later i don't know i love it i I have add like crazy i can barely sit through a one hour tv show so i love it i love it i I, i'm always i'm also delayed in in the culture not that delayed but i'm delayed in the culture just like you so good deal good deal all right anyway the charts jake they're red today i didn't know that was possible they are red today. Um, you know, I, I, I just based on what I'm seeing, I think we're going to get a pretty big bounce into the midweek. Um, personally, you know, that's that's clearly an opinion, but it's it's based on a few different things. Um, one of those being Bitcoin. You know, I, I love to talk about Bitcoin being risk on, risk off. And the fact that Bitcoin did pop so much after dropping so much this morning uh, tells me that we may be getting close to at least a short-term bounce. Now, when I say I think we're going to get a big move, I'm I'm basing this on one to two days. The market is so volatile right now, you can really only go one to two days with any type of thesis because there's just so many moving parts right now. You've got people freaking out about shortages in, in grocery stores. You've got people freaking out, freaking out about interest rates. And you know maybe the economy is not growing as quickly as we thought. So there's all these variables at play, but... Um, you know, going, going to SPY, one of the main things that I'm looking at is just the fact that we've dropped, this will be the fifth red day in a row. And I look at, I look at red days in a row as kind of a, or green days in a row is just a general kind of sequence type of type of analysis. So like if we're having five red days in a row, and we're, we're down to this anchored VWAP, uh, COVID low anchored VWAP area that we've bounced at before. You know, I think at least we'll have a, a short-term bounce just because you know some people have made some big money shorting the market over the last week, and they're probably going to cover at least uh, you know in the short term. I think you have uh, quite a few Fed uh, people speaking tomorrow, which I think the, the market has priced in a lot of 
uh, a lot of this short-term news already. I, you know, the banks, of course, come out and say, oh, I, we think we're going to do a fourth. There's going to be a fourth rate hike this year. Yeah, I, you know, I, I saw this back in 2015 and I, I took the bait and, and tried to short the market uh, based yeah. on all of these predictions and uh, none of them really came true. So it, it, the Fed can say whatever they want, but if the economy is really faltering and uh, they're going to try to raise rates, I think it's just going to be a really, really bad scenario. So who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe we just continue to go straight down. But I think in order for the market to go lower, you have to have these short term uh, pops. So this has been a, a, a place for the market to pop over the last couple months. Notice that sometimes you don't get just an immediate pop. Sometimes you get a few days of consolidation and who knows, maybe that's all we'll have before the next uh, move down. But you just watch simple price action. You know, if we break the previous lows from today, then, uh, you know, that's that's what a lot of people are watching for maybe a, a bigger break to the downside. But for now, we're holding where we need to uh, on on SPY. On the queues, uh, we did break down through this longer term support. So that's something to consider. But, you know, at least in the short term, I do think that the Fed is probably going to come out tomorrow and say something that the markets can at least price in a little, a little, uh, at least take a little bit of that panic out. So uh, here you've got just this huge breakdown. So not something I would say is bullish, but at least maybe a retest of this previous support act as resistance and maybe a move down. But this is, uh, you know, the market you can never predict. You can only use technical analysis to see, okay, if this happens then we, we go this direction. So for me, I, it's, I don't even want to look out more than one or two days because the market is moving so quickly that that's really all you can do at this point and, and just manage risk. I think a lot of people, are still sitting in these names from like mid mid last year and you know like se uh you know afrm you've just got these names getting destroyed and people are just like oh, i'm gonna hold and uh people are realizing maybe i'm not a trader maybe i am more an investor at this point <laughs> so if you're a trader you you can't hold a 50 percent drawdown i mean that's crazy so i think people are realizing very quickly are they traders are they investors have they gone from trader to investor. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, the market, the market is still pretty overextended over, you know, the longer term. If you look at the, if you look at the chart, I mean, we're, <laughs> this is barely a blip on the radar. So if things really started to get ugly, then, uh, you know, this is, this may be just the start and underneath the hood, it's been pretty ugly for a while. Uh, but then your, your apples and your Microsofts and, you know, Tesla is not doing too bad today, but they're starting to participate in this move down too. And uh, the way I kind of gauge the breadth of, of moves down, I just have a watch list on my phone and I scroll through it. If everything is red, you know, it's a, it's a pretty strong move. But the last week or two, you haven't had like red, 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 red. You've had a couple reds, a couple greens. You still, you still didn't have the whole market participating. And now Today, you definitely have a lot more names participating in the sell-off, which, you know, makes it a little more real. So right now, uh, Jake, are you kind of, you know, you mentioned looking at Bitcoin uh, as a gauge on, on risk. Are you, you know, looking at value names right now or are you 
Um, still looking at some of these growth names. You know, I know you mentioned that you you think we could see a bounce sometime this week, midweek. Yeah. So as far as you know, what I'm trading, I'm definitely not trading options right now. So uh, the reason is because we have that huge VIX spike, and I think there's a little bit of a mis misunderstanding of that. So like, if you're intraday trading options right now when the VIX is high, then you're not necessarily going to get crushed on on the implied volatility. But if you're trying to buy the dip on the market when the VIX is up 20% and you want to overnight that or you know hold it for a couple of days, the market could bounce, but then it's like you're swimming upstream because you've got the VIX collapsing. And a lot of people don't realize the VIX impacts options contracts across the board. It's not just, you know, it's, it's a function of the S&P 500 and, and calls and puts on the index, but it affects all options chains. So, you know, back in November, I saw so many people when we had that huge drop on Black Friday, that Monday we had a pretty big bounce and everyone's like, well, my, my calls are barely green. Well, yeah, because the VIX dropped like 15% that day and the implied volatility is, is crushing those options premiums. So for me personally, I'm looking at common stock trades. Uh, right now, the only uh, open position I have is uh, First Solar, actually. So First Solar Ooh. is one I've been trading in and out of the last couple of weeks. Ha- I've been really just buying at the end of the day, uh, getting in some options contracts and selling the rip in the morning. Just quick, quick in and out, not holding it, not even really swinging it, I guess, you know, overnight trades essentially. But I did buy common stock on this one today because one, the options chain is pretty uh, illiquid. There, you don't have a ton of volume. And I wanted to, you know, get a pretty, pretty big position, at least for just a quick flip. So I bought the, um, I bought the, just the common stock at 82.17. And then I bought a little more at like 81.92. And, uh, you know, for now it's holding pretty well. The thesis here is simply the fact that one, it's actually holding better than a lot of names out there. Two, you're trading right at this COVID low anchored VWAP. So that's essentially just what is the volume weighted average price since we capitulated in uh, March of 2020. And you'll see right now it's holding pretty well. You've got volume backing price here. This will be the 11th red week in a row if we closed red. And same thing, you know, generally you got to have at least a little bit of a bounce. Shorts have to cover and maybe re-short after a bounce. But for now, it's, it's hard for me to see this going too much lower without at least a little bit of a relief bounce. So that's all I'm in it for. You know, my, my stop would just be below this previous uh, low today. I think it was around 81 or so. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm just playing very strategically. I have no plans on really swinging anything too long until the market stabilizes a little bit. And this is like a day trader's dream right now. Uh, but for swing traders, it's, it's just a nightmare. You wake up every morning and you're, you're down another 5%. Yeah, and especially if you have, like, if you have firm stops, you're getting you're getting you're getting failed left and right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like when I said I have an when I have said I have a stop on this one, I don't have like a stop. Yeah, you know, predefined yeah. like it's mental stop. Like I'll watch price action, but but yeah, at least short term, I do think uh, you know the fact that Bitcoin did bounce off these September lows is something to consider. So you can see here if we go to the daily. Uh, we we pretty much tagged that September low almost perfectly uh, this morning, and then we had a nice bounce. But you know that nice bounce can always turn into uh, just a continuation down towards the end of the day. But for now, pretty pretty clean price action, and that's why I love crypto. It actually 
it follows price action a lot more. I personally just don't trade it because I just don't like a 24-7 market. I like to be done, but it is incredibly helpful as a risk-on, risk-off proxy. So like when we started breaking down through this symmetrical triangle, that was a pretty big cue. Bitcoin went first, then the queues, then uh, IWM uh, went around the same time, and then SPY finally got hit. So Bitcoin is a great leading indicator. Like once we started breaking down one, two, one, 2,000 points within 30 minutes, you knew that things were getting a little uh, sketchy. And this is just this is just regular price action analysis. Previous September lows, we bounced here. Will we uh, will we have a little bit of a relief bounce? We'll just have to see. But this is what I'm keeping an eye on for how how it's the strength of the market and the liquidity in yeah. the market. Well, well, Kevin N says you know Bitcoin if it breaks 40k it can drop to 30k in a flash. It did break 40k this morning. And 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 Jake, just to clarify on your charts there, I, I wait. Can you go back one second? Actually, I just yep. wanted to ask you a question just so everyone knows the. So the red line and the blue line uh, and the green line, they both have those zones mm -hmm. above and below it, right? Tell us the difference between the zone and the actual line itself. Yep. So the zone, you know, anytime you want to draw trend lines, whether it's a, a diagonal trend line, horizontal trend line, you want to have as many touches on that line as possible. Because if you've only got a line that's connecting two, two points, it's not an incredibly strong line. So let's uh let's just delete this real quick and we'll just draw and i'm starting it from the july 19th low back in during the summer connecting it to this wick here that's from the december 3rd just capitulation event at least short term and then you can see here if i extend it we only have technically one or two other points on the chart now if i use a zone I do the same thing. I start off with just connecting this point here, this, this low, and connecting it to this point. So when I extend it, I can then use the zone to capture more of that price action. So here, notice I'm now capturing. But how do you know how high to go on that zone? Is my because I'm going because I'm just connecting these wicks. Because so okay. like I'm connecting the bottom of this point. So now okay. you've got. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then you broke down. So then you have ten points versus like four. So it just for me because the the market's never going to react, especially in crypto, to an exact line. You know, sometimes I see people coming out saying, "Well, you know, forty-two thousand two hundred and seventy-eight and fifteen cents is support." No, it's not. It's a zone. You know, there, there's, there's leverage in the market. You've got people right. getting margin called. You've got people are who are on leverage on the long side who are just like market order. So, so that there's, it's impossible to have these just exact price levels, especially when you're looking at crypto. So if you have a margin of error around this area, uh, you can, you can really, uh, and, and same thing with the resistance. You can just have a better idea if something's really breaking out or if it's just not. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven points on the chart here. If I would just simply connect this point to this point, it's only, it's barely a trend line. There's only two points. And one of those is your original right. start. Right. So, so, so the reason I asked that question though, was like, what is, the, 
What is the difference for you in terms of action items from being seeing the price go enter the zone versus seeing the price actually get to the line? Until it breaks down through the line, the zone is just kind of like a, hey, it's there. The line is is more of like, a, okay, we're getting close to breaking down. So like when we started breaking down here, that was that was kind of, and and we closed below it. That was for me at least like, okay, things are getting a little weird. You got a simple retest of that previous zone acting as resistance now, which is pretty typical support SR flips previous support becomes resistance, previous resistance becomes support. And so once we actually broke down through that, that thicker line, that's why I make these lines two different thicknesses. The, the actual like main line that I drew is still really important, but there's going to be times where the price action kind of bounces around that point. And then once you finally break down, that's, that's kind of the cue, like, okay, this is breaking down. Uh, a lot of people in crypto don't like to use uh, diagonal trend lines because they're mostly price action traders, which is fine. But this is a great example of a simple symmetrical triangle breakdown and then a continuation down to your September lows. So uh, it's a a really good point. The the underlying point there is like when we say there's support or resistance, it's like generally speaking, it's like um, in in a zone, right? You've got a series of lows in an area, a series of highs in an area, right? It's like... It, it's it's foolish to like pinpoint it to down down to the down to the penny, saying hey th- this is this is my line on the same like like you know this is my this is your support. More than likely, it's just you, you've got a couple lows or a couple highs that are relatively close together, and that's all it is. Yeah, this is a good example on SPY. This is me actually using a percentage offset, uh, and just by eyeballing it, right? So this is your volume weighted average price from the October low, and mm-hmm. notice that we bounced around it multiple times. So back in uh, mid-October, we bounced here. Back in uh, d- early December, we we traded yep. around it. Back in uh, on December 20th, we, we gapped below it, but then continued to just rip four days after that. So what I do is I'll come in and it's not like I have a exact percentage band that I use on every chart. In this case, I'm just essentially trying to find the the percentage offset band that's going to capture this price action here, because that's essentially where the price action has really uh, held. So then I'd go in properties. Sometimes it takes a couple of times to try it. You know, for the most part, you can eyeball it, especially if you're, you know, know the kind of the range of, of SPY. So like here, just go to percentage band. I have a negative 1%. So I'm essentially adding another volume weighted average price 1% below that thick blue line we were just looking at. And then when I apply that, now it's capturing this price action. So for me, you know, unless we break really below this 450, 450, let's just call it 454, then to me, it's just an, an area where the price has bounced before. Uh, and this this can help you remove emotions because people get so emotional. It's like, Oh, this broke my line by eight cents. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. did it? Or, you know, is there a zone that that price is respecting? Yeah. So that's a really good point. Okay. So let's move away if we can from the spot. And if you have any questions, if you have any charts for Jake, please, please drop them in the chat. We have 12 or so minutes left with him and he he's more than happy to take a look at whatever you want to look at but let's move off the spy ah tesla our old friend old tesla uh, yeah i mean tesla's uh showing some relative strength tesla's even uh 
a pretty good proxy for risk in the market. If Tesla's tanking, yeah. the market's probably tanking too. It's a pretty high beta relative to the market. So the fact that this is catching a little bit of a bid here is uh, is definitely encouraging. You do have the gap below here still around uh, 940 or so, give or take 20, 30 cents. But for now, you, you do have a decent candle forming. What the red hollow candle means is it means that we're still below Friday's close, but we opened up here. And now if we closed right this second, we'd be up here. So it's kind of like opening and closing a window shade. Like if you open a window shade, you're starting at the bottom and you're opening. So if the opening, if you know the window shade is closed and you open it, then that's essentially like your, your hollow candle. Here, you've got your solid red candle and it's like, starting the window shade as it's open and closing it because your your close is lower than your open the hollow candle your your close is higher than your open and so that's the way i have always been able to kind of make it simple and just see it that way but anytime you've got an, a hollow candle it's generally uh bullish because your your close is higher than your open even if it's a red candle it's still showing that buyers are in control versus the open even if it mm -hmm. is red so i i mean Tesla doesn't look too bad here. Uh, and, and you kind of have like, if you want to get creative, you've got a little bit of like this massive inverse head and shoulders playing out here uh, over the last, you know, two months. So if this holds, this would be a pretty, you know, pretty logical place to get at least a short-term bounce. Like these previous lows on this left shoulder are literally exactly where we bounced here on the right shoulder, at least today. I don't want to call it inverse head and shoulders because it's not yet, but at least it's taking that formation. So we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. But for, you know, for uh, something that kind of is a risk on risk off proxy as an equity, you know, a stock Tesla's holding pretty well, but you know, when you really, when you really start moving down, sometimes, sometimes you can just continue to melt, but I don't know. I, I'm in the camp that we at least get a one or two day bounce and then we'll we'll kind of go from there. But, you know, that's my opinion. You know, price action matters a lot more than my opinion and we'll just take it from there. But yeah, Tesla looks decent. Are there any requests in the chat to take a look at or? There are. There, let's start with Marvel, MRVL, Marvel Technologies. I'm going to just assume it's down. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um... Yeah, I mean, it looks like a lot of the other names. Uh, and when the market moves like this, you know, most charts are going to look pretty similar. You know, if you look at most charts, you've got this kind of five day move down. Thing that would be a little concerning for me is just the fact that you do have this gap from uh, early December starting to fill here. Really hard for me to go long on something with that big of a gap below. But, you know, uh, at least at least in the short term, or let's say, let's call it the uh, medium term, few months, the volume weighted average price from this October low is acting as a perfect bounce zone here. So if you just look at the previous times where we've bounced, it's generally been right at this volume weighted average price. So I can make that a little thicker so you guys can see it, but this is a pretty logical place to bounce, but the volume weighted average price is not should not be used as, oh, this is where it's going to bounce. It should be used, oh, okay, we're back to the vault. We're back to essentially the average price at every share that's been transacted. That's what the average is. 
So a lot of people on average who have bought since the, uh, the October low, which was a pretty important low, are back to break even. So a lot of the time you can initially get a bounce here because everybody's back to break even or the average participant is back to break even. And you can get a bounce simply because the supply side rather than the demand side. You can get a bounce because supply is just drying up because everybody's back to break even. This is essentially a break even line since a specific point in time. The way that I was taught it uh, by Brian Shannon was reversals in trend, uh, pivots, earnings. So this, this was an important date in the market in general, as well as on the chart for Marvel. So, you know, this, this would be an area, at least in the short term, where maybe, maybe you do get some consolidation before the market kind of decides what it wants to do. But I would assume this is going to move pretty, you know, pretty one-on-one with the market, you know, uh, it just looks very similar to SPY, at least the last four days, five days. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm assuming this is Marvel is this isn't Marvel. Yeah. Like, it's the, it's, it? uh, it, it's the chips, I believe. The chi- okay. Chips. I was like, I, I don't yeah. see. Yeah. I mean, all chips have been hit pretty hard. Uh, yeah. so. All right. Well, what about PayPal? This one, this PayPal is interesting. PayPal, uh, you know, got crushed. Then I had a, that had a couple of really strong days. And I'm, I mean, today speaks for itself. Right. But, but, um, had a couple strong days there for a hot second there. I, I, I wondered to myself if, if, if that was it for the pain, but it, it appears not. Yeah, no, this was one that I, uh, actually was trading. Uh, I had a kind of a swing position in this got chopped out and, uh, I, I stopped out on Friday, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, this one was just, this is a, this is an example using the volume weighted average price from a gap. So this is your earnings gap. So it's pretty much saying since that news of earnings came out, what is the volume weighted average price since, since that news event? And you can see that we just could not get through this volume weighted average price. So this was a really fun one to trade if you were just trading it one or two days out. So in one account, I was just really, I don't want to say day trading it because I was like overnight swinging it. But then in the other account, I was swinging it and I got hit pretty hard. So it's just one of those things like this is definitely not a swing traders market, uh, at least for now. And uh, you got to kind of play play uh, the cards as they're dealt. So, yeah, this one broke down. Another thing that I, I had trouble with during the whole whole time I was in this one was how many people were so emotionally connected to this. You had so many people buying the earnings gap down at 210, 220s before, you know, thinking that they were just, it was a gimme. And you could kind of tell on social media, a lot of people were really like engaged in those types of posts. So when you've got a lot of people like liking something or like, oh, you know, this thing better move up, you know, you have a lot of bag holders. And uh, unfortunately, this, this one did break down. Off my list, uh, as I mentioned, I exited the position on Friday. So uh, I, I really have no interest in getting back into this one. It's just, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of Penn a few months ago where, you know, some of the trades worked out really well, but you really just yeah. got chopped up trying to wait for it to materialize. And I think there's just other, there's better plays out there uh, than PayPal right now. It's yeah. It's just too mainstream of a name for me. All right, I'm trying to find you know of, of people drop tickers in the chat. I'm trying to find tickers that either 
uh, are not technology because you've talked a lot of tech today, or at least the charts look a little bit different. Somebody mentioned Enphase, ENPH, the solar stock. The chart you know, is down, but looks at least a little bit different. Yeah, I was actually looking at this one, uh, looking at this one today. So first solar, you know, in end phase, yeah. uh, move a little bit together, but uh, first solar has not gotten hit as, as hard as end phase has. Um, so yeah, I mean, you've got you've got the the volume weighted average price from this big capitulation candle here before the next move up uh, back in June. So you did get a bounce here back in May. Oh, this was June of 2020. So you did get a bounce here back in May of 2021. We're kind of right there again. But as I mentioned, the volume weight average price is not something it's like, all right, volume weight average price, immediately buy. And you can't really do that with anything. I mean, if something goes to a trend line, that doesn't mean you automatically buy it. You gauge the overall market stability. <clears throat> you just gauge in general the strength. What does the weekly candle look like? What does the monthly candle look like? Uh, so if you're just... <clears throat> blindly buying these zones, you're going to get wrecked. Uh, so, so this is, this is definitely an interesting area of interest that has had a bounce in the past, but for me, that's about all it is right now. If you go to the weekly chart, you know, you've had, this will be, this would be the eighth week down in a row. Uh, I think it really just depends on the market. If you've got, and I think in phase is, kind of tied into those growth uh those growth names you know in phase in phase is still kind of growing pretty quick yeah interest rates going up isn't necessarily going to help any growth stock it makes it makes everything more expensive to them if they want to grow their business uh but i wouldn't say i'm incredibly bearish on it uh i just don't know if i just buy it blindly right here yet all right let's do one more one more oh man you want to look at Humana, H-U-M? <laughs> I would have, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this one after, after last I'm, week. I don't think I've ever looked at this name, honestly. I've heard of it, obviously, but never – yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard for me to buy a candle that looks like this. Uh, yeah. This is this is the weekly chart. You just uh, – what did we go from 464 all the way down to 350? Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, the way I would look at it is your previous support zone. Notice that the price action did not test this perfectly here or here. So that's when I would come in and add a little bit of a, uh, a, uh, percentage offset band to capture that margin of error. I would assume it's probably like 2.5%. I, I really don't know. I'm just kind of eyeballing it. So 2.5%. Yeah, so that's that's around uh, kind of what it is. You could probably add a little more margin of error there, but previous support would likely become resistance if you did have this thing bouncing over the next uh, couple weeks. And then that's the 400 is not only uh, this this COVID low anchored VWAP zone, but it's also just a psychological level. 400 is just a nice even number that people you know, use as, as levels. Uh, it's just, it's kind of just psychology in the market. So for me, probably, probably, uh, needs a little time for the, the dust to settle, but so far a decent weekly candle, but it's only Monday and we're halfway through the day, but I'd say 400 would make sense if this thing could really get a little, uh, bounce. 
All right. I'd be curious because it's very it. rare you see stocks like candles like that, right? So, like, I, I would be curious. What is this, earnings? Awesome. No, it was um, – they gave some guidance last week. They said they were going to sign up half as many new members as they thought they were going to this year. So um, That'll do it. Yeah, it'll do it. Anyway, guys, Jake Wojcik is the co-founder of TrendSpider. You should definitely check it out. The link is at the bottom of the screen there. TrendSpider.com. Use the code BZ25 to get 25% off. Jake, always a pleasure, man. Have a good one. Hey, you you too. We'll see you next week. All righty. Hey, let's bring on Chris Capri, the guy who runs the Benzinga option, uh, the, the option trading school. Chris, did I get that right? The option trading school? Is that right? Yeah, Benzing Option School. We were looking for a, a for another S so we could call it the boss, but this BOS will have to be Benzinga, Benzinga Option School. school. Yeah. Uh, Benzinga Option School. Zuh. I don't know. <laughs> we tried. Anyway, this we is tried. definitely a topic of conversation amongst the BZ team. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. I see. Well, uh, anyway. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm going to put the link to that in the chat right now for all y'all, but it yeah. is in the description. Uh, before we even get going here, Chris, let's just start with this. For the people that have no idea what, what we're talking about right now, what is the Benzinga Options Trading School? Okay, so the BZ Options School is... so Sorry, Benzinga Options School. Let's get, let's get that right. <laughs> yeah, it's the first option school that Benzinga has ever created specifically to give live instruction to the members. And so we have a college style class type approach. We're teaching live classes Monday through Thursday, and we have sessions just for lesson. And then we have sessions just for Q and a, we also have office hours. And we do this in a way that is designed to build the skills of option trading that you're going to need from the ground up. And the bottom line is just, there's very few trainings out there like this, where for the price that you're paying, that you're getting live instruction five days a week with me. And so we are covering all kinds of subjects from, you know, for the most intro to somebody's new to options, like how do option contracts work, calls and puts, all the way up to all the strategies and even to the advanced concepts of like dealer and market gamma. And so we go through this host of concepts from the ground up and they get more and more difficult as we go on. And the goal of this is to teach you how to generate income trading options, whether it's selling options or buying options, how to make money in more ways than you can with stocks. Because if you trade stocks, if you're just buying and selling stocks, you only make money really two ways, two and a half ways, which is that you think it's going to go up, you buy it and it goes up, you make money. If it goes down, you lose money. Very binary. Up, down, that's it. You think it's going to go down, you sell it. it. goes down, you make money. It goes up, you lose money. That's it. You can make some money trading stocks by dividends, some. But if you're trading a million dollar portfolio, and you have, you know, you make 50% on year of your $500,000 in gains, maybe 10 or 20,000 is dividends, not that much. So dividends represent generally a very small portion of your overall gains. So really it's just directionally and you got to be right or wrong with options. You can make money if it goes up, down, sideways. You can be both bullish and bearish at the same time and make money, whether it goes up or down, you can make money on time, just the passage of time. Every single day, the market goes on. You can make more and more money. You can make money on volatility and there's just so many more ways to trade options and make money trading options that we felt like, look, it's time for this kind of course. You know, I've seen some of the options courses out there. I've gone through almost all of them. I've read all the books you can on options and nobody's talking about options in this complete package. Some talk about the advanced stuff. Some talk about the beginner stuff. Some talk about the strategies. 
Nobody puts it all together like we do. And nobody is teaching you the charts, the price action, the order flow, the formations on what strategy goes with each pattern. So it's just, it's such a complete package. I'm, I'm glad that Benzinga finally gave in to my options pestering and you finally made me instructor of the course. So I'm glad it's an opportunity because, you know, options volume right now is actually higher than share volume almost across the board, which means that option flows are having a bigger impact on markets than stocks are. And so if you're not aware of that and how it impacts the market and how the dealers and market makers, market makers are hedging based upon that, then you are missing a huge portion of what's going on in the market. You're not understanding what's going on, you know, behind the curtain or under the hood. And so that's what we're trying to do is teach you how the options market works from the inside out and how you can understand it and make money on that on a daily, weekly basis. Yeah. And Chris, over the last, you know, year and a half, really since COVID hit, and we've seen this uh, boom in retail investing, options trading has just grown exponentially. And one of the things, um, one of the reasons we wanted to bring this options school to uh, reality is because we have we have such an interest of people that are you know just getting into trading or, or they're new to trading and they they're drawn to options because yeah. um, you know a lot of times whether it's on Twitter Reddit whatever you see screenshots of someone having you know crazy returns chances are it's it's through options and uh, w while the returns can be crazy it, it's also certainly um, riskier than trading a common stock a lot of times depending on how you're doing it so it's, it's really imperative for newer traders that are looking to get into options to, to have someone like Chris uh, who knows what they're doing so that you're not, uh, you know, going out there and blowing up your account trading options. Yeah. So options you got to understand is that they are kind of like a much more effective nuanced tool to trade the markets. Again, if you're buying and selling stocks, it's very binary. It's like, you know, checkers and you can only move the checker pieces so many ways. Whereas options is like chess and that you can move things in much more complex ways, which allows you greater maneuverability. You can't really hedge your portfolio, your long stock positions or your short port, short stock positions unless you're doing options. You can't really neutralize risk. You can in some ways by moving out of certain sectors or moving into certain defensive sectors, but it's not a real hedge. With options, you can really hedge your positions. You know, you could still hold a long stock and say, hey, you know what? I think it's going to pull back. I want to make money while keeping my long stock. You can do that with options. You can't do that with stocks. If you're a long stock, you're in it to win it. It's got to go up. If it goes down, you're going to eat those losses as it goes down. You know, And so you can hedge with options that you can't with stocks. You can also neutralize risk with options that you can't do with stocks. You know, If the stock goes nowhere, if Ford goes absolutely nowhere for... I'm going to share my screen now. But if Ford goes actually nowhere, and this is a stock I want to talk about, so let's say Ford just chops around and the chart should be coming up now. Yeah, we've got it. Um, okay. One second. I'll pull it up. Yeah, we and I've, I've been watching the charts today and it looks like we've actually gotten um, a, a little bounce in Q. I mean, Qs were down 2.7% at the lows, currently down 1.5%. So... Uh, most vulnerable. They were the most vulnerable of all the indices. They were the most vulnerable. Yeah. So we'll get into cues in just a second here. But, you know, let's say you feel like, hey, Ford is approaching resistance. It's kind of stuck between support and resistance. And I think it's going to chop around in here. If you're long stock, you're not going to make any money. If you're short stock, you're not going to make any money. With options, I can make money if this chops around. I can make money. I can do neutral directional strategies, which means that if it sits in a range, I can make money. 
or I can even have non-directional bias strategies. Hey, I don't know if it's going to go up or down. So I just want to take that bet that it will go up or down and it won't stay in a range. You can do that. You can't do that with stocks. So there are just so many ways that you can make money with options that you can't make with stocks that traders are seeing, hey, I want more than just a hammer and a nail. You know, I want a saw, I want a lever, I want all these tools to build my financial house. And options give you that. So with that being said, you mentioned cues. And I want to talk about what's going on in the overall market. So I'm going to give a portion of the lesson that's in lesson eight of the Benzing Option School, which is about market gamma. Market gamma is really the overall gamma exposure that is accumulated in the markets. And if the markets are net long options on queues, they the market will be in what is called positive gamma. And positive gamma environment means that you should expect volatility to be contracted, much more range bound, mean reversion. That's not what we're in right now. Spies, queues, and IWMs are all in negative gamma. Negative gamma is when the market is net short options and that increases volatility. So that means the, the range that it could express itself up or down gets increased. It also tends to put bearish pressure and destabilizing flows in the markets. And so we are in a negative gamma environment. Spies is very heavy, heavy negative gamma. Qs is very heavy negative gamma. IDM is very negative gamma. They're all down on the day and they're all seeing a fair amount of volatility. Now, why is Qs bouncing a little bit? And it's kind of what we're seeing in VIX is going on right now. So VIX was stuck in this range for several days in this kind of like 19 to 20 area. You can see here from the 5th, 6th, 7th to the 10th, all the way it started, you know, this week it started before the gap, 18 to 20, you know, 1860 to 2093, two point range. Early it opened up and it started to expand that range. When you see VIX accelerating to the upside, that generally means that traders are buying long puts. They're buying downside protection in the markets. And when traders buy long puts, that will force, that kind of puts pressure on the markets to go down. And so if they keep buying puts, then this thing just continues. This thing will just keep ripping. But we're not seeing that. Traders bought a decent amount of protection to open the week, but then they've slowed down a little bit. They've definitely slowed down some of their protection. So they bought some protection, but not they haven't continued to buy protection. And so it feels like traders felt like, you know, I want a little bit of short data protection to start the week, but VIX hasn't been able to maintain those gains. It's now 1.8 points off the high, which tells me that they're unwinding some of that protection or they're not continuing to buy that. And so if VIX goes up, generally indices goes down. VIX is not just a measure of fear in the markets, but it's also a measure of the risk uh, approach that traders are taking. Are they trying to protect risk or are they trying to engage in risk? Risk on or risk off. And when VIX goes up, it's usually a risk off environment. When it starts to pull back, it means they're willing to take on more risk. And Qs is one of the most vulnerable, partially because of what happened in tech in September, October, November last year. Tesla, AMD, NVIDIA, all tech names, all had 50, 60, 70% gains in a matter of four, five, six weeks. Those gains were unsustainable. And so now a lot of those stocks are starting to come back. Tesla, you know, this was an unsustainable amount of gains. The stock gained, what is that? 57% in four weeks. That's not normal for a stock with a market cap 
of a trillion dollars. It's not normal for stocks to gain 50% in four weeks with a trillion market cap. How did they do that? With options. The option flows that kind of peaked out, and that's why we're not seeing the sustained gains in Tesla. And so because these gains were kind of overshot in Tesla, in AMD, in NVIDIA, now you're starting to see a lot of these tech names pull back. Tesla, pull back. AMD, pull back. NVIDIA, pull back. Yeah, I, I was really... watching NVIDIA earlier too. And I mean, the, these names though are, are oftentimes the quickest to come back too. Like once that trend reverses, um, you, you know, I certainly want to be in on that NVIDIA upside or on, on the up move once it does reverse and start coming back up. I think that's I think that's the challenge here as traders is because, you know, fundamentally, these companies have a lot of reasons to be bullish. You know, with chip shortages, with everything that's going on, the semiconductor space, everything that NVIDIA and AMD are doing, they're in a great position to capture a lot of the appreciation that the market wants to hand out these days. So they're in good positions. But the problem is, is that when you overextend yourself, eventually things get too expensive. You know, if you want to buy a, you know, a particular BMW for $100,000, you might be like, that's a good price. But if you go back to the dealership the next day and you're ready to buy and they're like, that's $150,000, you might be like, eh, I'm not as much interested. And if things get to a certain price, they're just too expensive to maintain that, then they can't attract the new capital to maintain those prices. We see pullbacks. If they are able to maintain those prices, then they'll stay. They'll, they'll go range bound or corrective. We're not seeing that in these stocks. They're pulling back. And so they overshot, in my opinion. They're due for a correction. Are they fully done yet? I'm not quite there yet. I'm not ready to get long tech. Long tech to me, I think, is the most vulnerable space right now. And so I don't feel like it's time to be dip buying yet. I want to see how VIX settles this week. Does VIX close back below, you know, this 2076 range? If it does, then that means that some of the fear, you know, there wasn't as much fear in the markets as we thought. And traders will start to take on risk. We're not there yet, but there is some, you know, with the VIX unwinding a little bit, we are starting to see some elements of that. So I'm not ready to be long tech. And I don't, I personally don't feel like tech is the best play right now. I think Ford is something that if it loses this kind of 2339, I'm going to wait till about 21 and start accumulating some more Ford. I think Ford probably does break this downside a little bit. And I think it'd be healthy. I think once it starts getting in 21s, it's a really, really good buy. So I think short term, it's going to struggle. But I think if, we do get that pullback. Traders should look at that as a healthy thing. I will start getting to get long options on Ford. I also like finance, uh, financial banks right now, particularly Canadian banks are outperforming U.S. banks, but Citigroup has been a great trade lately. We bought this off the lows. I wrote an article for Benzinga on a large uh, option bet. Uh, trader made like 1.8 million bet on, on Citigroup. And... I like the trade. I like the structure. And I looked at the overall dealer and market making position. And I felt like I don't think this has more downside. I think dealers are going to hedge at this point, start accumulating stock. And so we bought it. We bought it by a long uh, bull call spread. We bought the 60, 62 and a half. We're now so far in the money at this point. Like it's, you know, it's pretty much at full profit. So I'll probably close it soon. But I like stocks like this right now. Citigroup, I think is a good play. I think if it gets back down to 60, I think it's a great buy. My other trade recommendation for right now, and then I'll get into some open callouts, um, is AMC. I am probably going to make some apes very upset. I apologize. 
I am not a YouTuber who will lie to you to make you feel good about your stock picks if I totally disagree with it. There are a lot of YouTube stars who openly admitted, yeah, we don't say bearish Tesla moves or bearish AMC or bearish GME because their videos get tanked. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lie to you about my assessment of a stock because it will get me more views on YouTube. I'm not a YouTube prostitute. I'm a trader. And I'm going to tell you maybe maybe what you don't want to hear, but what I really see is happening in the markets. I think AMC ends the year sub 15. And here's a couple of reasons why. And I'm looking to sell AMC in a pullback. So first off, AMC had four weeks of gamma squeeze gains. Yeah, this week sold right back down pretty much where it started. You had nice three weeks here, this little bullshit. Since then, AMC is down two out of every three weeks. And it's down 68%. Now, if you were a dispassionate, analytical person who had no bias on AMC, or at least no bias outside of your personal bias, you would be like, you know, my stock has sold off two out of every three weeks. For the last seven months, it's down 68%. Maybe I don't want to hold this in my portfolio anymore. So I think that is going to happen more and more as the year goes on. Traders are just going to be like, wow, I'm wasting so much margin. I've wasted so much money on AMC. You know, the moonshot ideas. A lot of people sold me, you know, these YouTubers. It's not manifest. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Meanwhile, Ford is ripping. Why not? Why would I keep my money in AMC when I could have bought Ford and made money on that? Ford's been killing it. So I think people are going to start to say, okay, maybe I get rid of all or a good portion of my AMC position and they're going to rotate that out into winners. I think AMC, I've seen real money selling in it. I don't think we're going to see, I, I think it's a, a one in a thousand chance we see another gamma squeeze like this again. I think it's a one in a thousand chance. And I'm a betting man. I like probabilities. I don't like trading against that probability. So I think pullbacks should be sold. I will sell AMC between 24 and 25 via options. And I will look to target somewhere between 14, 12, maybe $10. I think AMC is sub $15 by the end of the year. So I am bearish on it. I'm sure some apes will not be happy about that. I don't mean to offend you personally. I'm speaking as someone who has 21 years experience, who's been a broker on Wall Street, who's traded for a hedge fund, and I'm telling you my non-biased analytical perspective. I'm happy to be wrong, but that's what I see in the markets. So this is my third trade idea in the day, which is to sell AMC on pullbacks into 24-25. So yes, I'm sure I made some apes very angry now. <laughs> I mean, I, I Chris, I think regardless of where you stand on the, you know, your ideas about AMC, I think anyone should respect someone who's willing to you know, speak honestly and speak their mind. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not here to offend anybody. I'm here to just give my analysis, take it with whatever information, you know, and grains of salt that you want to. I'm just sharing from you from one of my, my experiences. I don't know for certain what I do see in the fl order flows and positioning is it's all leaning towards 
the higher probability scenario of this going down. The line of least resistance is to the downside. The line of most resistance is to the upside. So based on that, you know, short term, I think AMC could probably find support around 20. But I think once you start getting in 24, 25, it's just too rich. Dealers will start selling at that point. So that's what I'm seeing in AMC right now. I do want to take a look at uh, some questions that are in chat here. Easy Mike seems to be just spamming questions here at quite a huge rate. So let's see here. Um, and we can do some call outs now, by the way. Uh, call out, if you want to call out on a stock ticker, symbol, time frame, one cents description, bullish or bearish. Um, AB, can you ask Chris what's the multiple on options over the common stock? Yeah, I was looking. I was looking for that one. What's the multiple on options over the common stock? Ah, if if you're talking easy, Mike, if you're talking about um, how much options volume over underlying shares, um, shoot, I deleted the the thing I had on it, but it was in the SPX, roughly 1.4 times. So 140% of the underlying share flows. Um, we are also seeing something similar for stocks as well. That right now there is more options, there, there are more flows being driven by options than stocks. And option flows are increasing and single share stocks are, are falling. I deleted the graphics because I hadn't used them in a few weeks, but it's strong. And it's that trend hasn't changed yet. And I don't think it'll change this year. I think options will continue to remain as the 800 pound gorilla in the room that you need to pay attention to. And if you're not, you're not going to be understanding why a stock's moving or not. So, um, I just, let's see, the sizzle index isn't a good judge. I'm not talking about, I never mentioned the sizzle index. I just checked the volatility of the volatility. Eh, I don't think that's volatility of volatility is, is has to do with amplitude and frequency. And that's only important when we see expanding volatility environments, negative gamma environments. Um, I wouldn't be checking volatility, volatility regularly. I think knowing whether in a positive or negative gamma is far more important. When you're in positive gamma, there's no point in checking VVIX. It's just, so market gamma is a far better filter than volatility of volatility. Um, okay, RY and TD operating in the US. Yeah, I have both those stocks. I have positions and I have long positions in RY and TD. I think they're great. Canadian banks are awesome right now. I really been they're they're outperforming U.S. banks by as a whole. Uh, okay, uh, Jack and Marvin TV. If you want to call out on Disney, give me a time frame, one sentence description, bullish or bearish. Otherwise, I have no idea what time frame, and I have no idea what you're seeing in the markets. So again, yeah, if you always, all want, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's always helpful if you throw a ticker out there to kind of let us know what lens you're looking at it through so that we can try to. Um, exactly. Otherwise we have no idea. Otherwise you could be looking for a day trade and I'm looking at the weekly chart. So, okay. So I'll wait for Jack to give me the uh, Jack and Marvin TV to give me the, uh, meanwhile, Hertz scrambler says Aspen one year. Are you bullish or bearish? Easy. Mike says, I like this guy. I'm glad to hear. I like this guy too, Mike. <laughs> All right, let me pull up uh, Aspen. Give me if you give me a description bullish or bearish that will really help. Uh, oh, Aspen Jack and Marvin got back about Disney. He said he's looking for a Disney gap fill. Okay. Looking looking at a day chart. He said he's bullish okay. for the gap fill. 
Okay, so he's looking for a day trade. So let me get into that one, and then I'll wait for uh, Hertz Scrambler. Okay, uh, Disney. Let's pull up Disney stats. Buglog says, do you think that option trading is going to replace long-term investing? I think long-term investing and option trading serve um, kind of different purposes. So I think a lot of times, I mean, I, I trade options myself, but I also have long-term investments. I don't think anything is going to replace long-term investing, um, but I, I do think option trading will continue to grow. Yeah, and they don't have to be um, mutually exclusive. You can use a lot of professional long-term investors are using options as well. Like they have long stock positions, but then they're also using options to hedge or neutralize risk. So they're not mutually exclusive. I don't think one's going to just like all of a sudden disappear and people are using options. I don't, I don't see that happening. Any, I don't see that happening anytime soon. And I, I think if somebody is really smart, they use both. Like you can, in some sense, you have an advantage if you're long-term investing doing what is called a buy right strategy. So you buy the underlying stock and then you sell calls on it. You sell premium to give you a little extra monthly income on that. That to me is a more effective long-term strategy than just buying stock. So all those YouTubers that like tell you, oh, just buy and hold. And they say nothing about selling calls or premium on it. They don't know what they're talking about. They're yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, okay. So looking for a day trade gap fill on Disney. Let me take a look at the position on Disney. And then we look at the flows for today real quick. So Disney. So Disney is under its 10 day uh, average in terms of share size. That's not the best, but it could start increasing as time goes on. What's the total options on the day? 69,000. And Disney has 1.7 million. So it's about roughly 4% of the total open interest prior to today. I'm not crazy about it. I'm not crazy about it. I would generally look for day trading movers that have at least 10% of the total interest and volume. So if it has a million contracts prior to the trading day, and then it does a hundred thousand contracts in the day, that to me is solid. We're not there yet. We're about four and a half, five percent um, also the share volume is down. I would want share volumes to be up for that to be exciting for me. So from a flow perspective on the day, I'm not crazy about it. Also, when I look at, so what is it? 155 right now. Yeah. There's another problem that it has as the stock goes higher, the dealer hedging requirements actually kind of force it to either buy less or start selling more as it goes up. And so I don't like that environment. So I'm not crazy about this one. It could fill the gap, but I'm just not crazy about it. I'm not seeing the volume. I'm not seeing in the flows and the options. Maybe the short dated options are going nuts. No, they're not. They're not. So yeah, I'm not crazy about it. I'm not crazy about this one. All right, what's the next one? Do I got enough time for another ticker? Yep, we've got two more minutes. Okay. Um, I think Hertz Scrambler wanted me to look at, where are you, Hertz Scrambler? Bearish on Aspen. Okay, let's do it. Volume on the day. This is a low volume stock. 232,000 options is this 10-day average. It's low. That means spreads will be high. That means liquidity won't be great. That's why you're seeing gaps on the five-minute candles. Whereas like the C, you're not going to see gaps here because there's more liquidity. 
So I'm not crazy about this stock from a flow standpoint. Options is kind of even worse in the sense that this stock only has about 25,000 options total. It's very low. It's very, very low. And so generally I don't trade stocks with open interest less than 100,000. So I'm not crazy about it. Would I want to be selling on this? Sure, I would want to sell pullbacks, but I'm just not crazy at the current levels. And yeah, I'm not crazy about this one. I would look for a higher volume stock if you can get one. Look for someone that's got more flows, more liquidity, more interest. You want to generally, especially for day trading, you generally want to trade stocks that have strong share volume in relationship to the 10-day average, strong option volume. And you want to see, ideally, if you're bullish, you want to see stocks in a positive gamma environment and bearish stocks are in the negative gamma environment. I'm just not seeing the flows on this to really get me too excited, so I'm going to call this a pass. So I apologize if that's not the full analysis you're looking for, but it's just not a... There's not enough here juice for me to really want to take a position on it. Um, are we done? We hit our limit. Yep, it is 1:59. It's time to wrap up the show, Chris. But a uh, link is in the description for the Benzinga's Options School. If you want some more insight and info from Chris, I strongly implore anyone out there who, you know, even if you, if you're like me, who you you dabble with options, you trade options, but you just want to you want to learn more, you want to get to that master level. Um, definitely check that link out. Chris, thank you for uh, coming on the show today. Always a pleasure to have you. Good seeing everybody, UAB, Spencer, and Zinger Nation, and I will see you guys next Monday. Take care, everyone. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.